0: us, to be fair, this section was was especially horny the last time that we recorded it as well, because just
1: that was the year that was the year twenty nineteen. Hor- different time.
0: Forrest, it's horny on its face.
1: <laughs> Objection, this counselor. This section of the novel is horny on its face. This is the this, this is this is the the, 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 the um shit. Um, <laughs> what's the Latin thing in rhetoric? Fallacy of of reductio ad hornium. <laughs>
0: Story of sapphic desire.
1: Oh my god, how was the Latin phrase I made up not reductio at a horny cum? <laughs> Okay, uh well, friends we're back it's the dan brown code the podcast that can't stop coming to you uh every two weeks and or every six months Is that
0: how you want uh, to rain
1: snow gloom of night coronavirus anything we're, we you can't stop us we can't be stopped unstoppable unkillable that's right i'm forrest
0: unbreakable uh, uh i'm lena hello
1: and uh (laughs) we're starting back at chapter nine of the lost symbol a book that we've both read recently (laughs) i think you'll find um definitely definitely both read recently
0: uh, can we talk a little bit about this uh we're having like a bernstein bear situation here where we're both certain that we already recorded this episode
1: i went back to the records oh uh gang I've been I've been studying for 6 months now as an archivist so I went back to the records as we say that's right I went through my text messages on my cell phone and on August 8th we definitely recorded a podcast episode however there is no digital evidence of this aside well I guess aside from the text messages <laughs> there's as far as I can tell no digital evidence on my computer remaining that this actually occurred even though I'm positive it oh, did Oh this is um, so
0: bizarre what could have happened
1: Yeah i I have no idea we have a real lost Um, episode
0: on our hands
1: yeah like we've had we've we've had like lost episodes before that we knew happened and got lost but then we've had this just ghost episode where um, (laughs) i i could have sworn we had two banked when i went to edit the last one yeah and then i couldn't find a second one and i was like lena didn't we record a second last simple episode she was like we did not do that and I said, I thought we did that. And then I was rereading the section for today, and I was like, we have definitely talked about this, but I had fully convinced myself that I was in some kind of um, just creating memories out of whole cloth in my mind of having talked to Lena about this book, because all we do is talk about Dan Brown together. That's right. So I was like, maybe, maybe I just imagine these conversations but no. But no, um, we
0: we certainly did, and I, I, you know, upon revisiting some of the characters and the interactions and the homoeroticism, um, we absolutely had this conversation. But it was so long ago that why not just have it again? You know.
1: Yeah, I, it's going to be fresh this time. It's going to be new. Um, I hear that last week. Possibly two weeks ago, um, Lena, you personally made sure that the ICC is going to be able to investigate U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan and possibly presage an invasion of the Hague. Is this true?
0: Yeah, I I personally, from a court that is not the ICC, made sure that that happened. Yeah.
1: I'm proud of you. Thank
0: you. Yeah. I, I will have a lot what, of... What, sorry
1: what court are you working for i'm
0: at the irmct which is the international residual mechanism for criminal tribunals and what that court is it's the successor court to the court on yugoslavia and the one on rwanda so initially when people used to say we're taking them to the hague like the og war criminals of like bosnia would go to the icty so that's what i'm that's where i am
1: I-C-T-Y, um...
0: The International Criminal Tribunal for Yugoslavia, for the former Yugoslavia.
1: So, as you may recall, last time in the Lost Symbol, we met up with uh, Robert Langdon. Bobby He Langs. got summoned by his old friend Peter Solomon to come give a surprise lecture in Washington, D.C., the capital of this great nation. Um, and... It turned out the event he was supposed to speak at wasn't actually occurring, even though he was invited by the secretary of his old friend and mentor, Peter Solomon. Um, and then he got a call from an unidentified individual who said that Robert Langdon was actually here because he wanted Robert Langdon to be there and not Peter Solomon.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's in the middle of that phone call right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he's in the Statuary Hall of the U S Capitol building. And he's talking to a figure that I think we, the audience are smart enough to realize is Malach.
0: If not through context clues, definitely through his silky calm whisper.
1: Yeah. Again, like it can't be emphasized enough. The degree to which Malach is sexy, mysterious, all these things. Um, He does overuse ellipses in this section, so everything here is just very (laughs) ominous, and he likes to kind of speak in riddles. Uh,
0: I listened to the last podcast, the last episode, and I'm making a promise to myself to be less horny this episode. So, we're going to try really hard.
1: Yeah, listener uh, at Chris's Poopin' got on my case because this year, 2020, Mm -hmm. I have proclaimed to him is uh the year of the monk because my 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 present department in boston is not unlike a monk cell um, it's quite small my one window is a skylight <laughs> um, it's going to be really hellish during the summer um and I, i'm sleeping on a, on a little twin bed in the corner and so it's just a year of um uh, asceticism i think and so he was like, "Oh, there's a lot of horiness for Malach in the year of the monk." And I was like, dog, we recorded this in June of 2019, <laughs> which was um, Hot Girl
0: Summer, as we all know."
1: Exactly, but now it's 2020. It's a year of restraint. It's a year of calmness. It's a year of
0: it's a year of social distancing. Social exactly. distancing.
1: <laughs> exactly. So our social distancing is going to include Malach, um, who's just a guy, as far as I'm concerned, just, just a, a regular a guy, book.
0: and normal, and good, and normal.
1: So yeah, Robert picks up the phone, and Malach is just, "Do not be alarmed, Professor. You've been summoned here for a reason."
0: So they have this conversation, um, and you know, he gives away the game. He's like, "Look, uh, uh, you're trapped." Um, you've been bamboozled hoodwinked uh etc uh and now rather than being called for the greater good he's being you know pressed into service against his will robert langdon i mean um which is different for him right
1: sort of i mean he gets kind of dragooned into most of his adventures da vinci code he's got kind of randomly called the louvre middle of the night was like hey um this guy has uh some 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 like anagrams written on his chest, and he was like, "Oh fuck, I guess I gotta get press ganged into this." Oh, Angels yeah, and demons. He was framed for murder,
0: he... right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, in Da Vinci Code, sort of like uh, Jacques Saunier's trail of clues made it look an awful lot like Lane was the murderer, and Bezu Fash picked up on that. Mm-hmm. And Angels and Demons. How did he get involved in that? He was also kind of press ganged into that one, wasn't he? Because like. Yeah, because 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 the Vatican police just like shows up when he's swimming laps at Harvard and is like, uh, uh, ah, yeah, yeah, you've got to yeah. come to Italy.
0: Oh, that is a gruesome book. I forgot how nasty that book is.
1: Yeah. Anyways, and this time, this time, this guy on the phone says that Mr. Solomon, who's Robert mentors Robert Langdon's mentor and daddy figure, mm-hmm. um, he's trapped in an unfortunate place. He's in the Araf. Does that mean anything to you? No. So apparently it is a surah of the Quran, um, al-Araf.
0: I'm a very bad Muslim.
1: That's okay. All right. Um, I didn't. I only know it because I wikipedia would it. Mm-hmm. Um, he then says the Araf Hamastagon, the place to which Dante devoted the canticle, immediately following his legendary Inferno, which is, first of all, a normal way to talk. Um, <laughs> it's also not really true. So as far as I can tell, I didn't actually... I couldn't find a great online version of the Quran to read in English. Mm -hmm. But as far as I can tell, the Araf um, translates to the Heights. And it's like some kind of place where you're in waiting before going to paradise. And so it's not a positive or negative thing. It's just like a um, liminal place. And that's also what Hamastagon is, but in Zoroastrianism. So what he really means here is limbo. Cause it's a place in Catholic theology, although I don't think like totally officially recognized, but it's, it's unlike purgatory, not a place where you are temporarily punished and purified. It's just a place where you go and wait for a little while. Um, So so, uh, minus uh, points.
0: Sorry. So purgatory is you, that is a destination.
1: yeah so purgatory is a place where um, it's kind of like temporary hell, I think. okay. so in purgatory, the idea is eventually you're probably going to get to go to heaven, but in the meantime, you're going to get like temporary hell because you aren't like damned for all time, but you're like damned for a little mm-hmm. bit until you're uh, purged, right Purgatory, you're purged of your Got sin it. but limbo through is some the way of punishment. Room. Limbo's the waiting room. Okay. And, like, there's unofficial theology where there's, like, different kinds of limbo. There's, like, the limbo of the patriarchs, which is, like, where Moses goes to because Moses can't go straight to heaven because he wasn't saved through Jesus. Mm. And there's, like, a limbo for unbaptized infants because they weren't baptized. Um, But, like, it would be pretty fucked up if it was, like, well, yeah, they're in purgatory until Jesus comes back because it's, like, it's not right. (laughs) (laughs) What do they do wrong?
0: (laughs) how bureaucratic some of these belief systems get. Like, they really... It's it's it, 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 it's it's astonishing um I often it's think about good. this when I think about the Book of the dead and like the like application process to go to the afterlife if you're an ancient egyptian um like you've got to go deal with like director of human resources and have your heart weighed and all of that it's i, I it's I, also I,
1: important I, to buy a bunch of like little d d miniatures to go do your jobs for you in the afterlife that's and right. have the right spells to make sure they do your jobs right <laughs>
0: So you're saying we should smuggle antiquities?
1: Um, man, I've got such a really... There's a, such a good Guardian article about that. Um, about uh, Specifically, an Oxford professor is smuggling out papyruses um, oh and selling them to the Bible Museum, which is extra timely because today the Bible Museum, just it just got proven that every single one of their like 27 fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls is a fake.
0: <gasps> oh my God, archivist Pretty news. Cool.
1: Uh, yeah, this is, I've, I follow a couple of Twitter accounts that are like uh, stolen antiquities based
0: <laughs> I recently l- listened to an excellent podcast about Hobby Lobby and how many stolen antiquities they purchased for their Bible museum
1: I mean, that's the, the Oxford ones that got smuggled out are um, directly, re- re- directly related to that oh, There also a pretty good book that came out last year called Bible Nation that's um, the same, same idea Anyways, um, back to the lost symbol. (laughs) So, the man's religious and literary references solidified Langdon's suspicion that he was dealing with a madman. Langdon knew the Inferno because no one escaped Phillips Exeter Academy without reading Dante. And, like, you don't have to go to the Phillips Exeter Academy to know the canticles of the Divine Comedy. We all know them. I went to public school, motherfucker. You can't fool me.
0: I found a... Sorry, I'm taking us off topic again, but I found a very pulpy God forbid. um uh <laughs> murder mystery series that takes place in Venice and I'm not going to buy all these paperbacks and just have them take up space, but I will have them take up space on my Kindle. So it's been the best thing.
1: Is it like modern Venice or like old Venice?
0: Like the 90s. Okay. It's really interesting.
1: That Especially pretty since good. Venice
0: doesn't exist anymore.
1: What doesn't exist anymore? Venice? I think it's still there right now.
0: Well, It's been shut down for a month. Who knows if it even exists?
1: (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I'm touching my face. Fuck. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Um, Langdon's confused by this in between thing that he says Peter Solomon's in, and Malach gets kind of like existential about it, and he's like, ah, there is a world between. Uh, He could be either dead or alive, depending on your actions. And the upshot is that he wants Langdon to give him access to something quite ancient, which is to say, ancient secrets that have been entrusted to him. And Langdon's like, buddy, I don't know about the Holy Grail, which is a lie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And Malach is like, shut the fuck up about this Holy Grail bullshit. I'm interested in uh, bigger questions than that. I'm interested in an ancient portal. (laughs) You dumb bitch. And Langdon's like, oh, God damn it. I hate ancient portals. I don't understand anything about them. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And we're going to find out later that, like, it is profoundly fucking stupid that Langdon doesn't even, like, have a clue what this guy's talking about. But anyways... um, He's still like, what the fuck? I, 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 I don't get it. Uh, and Malak is like, well, unless you figure it out really fucking quick, then uh, Peter is not going to make it. In the meantime, he will point the way.
0: Well, he gave a little like, first he says like, it's not me who chose you to do this. It was Peter Solomon. So apparently Solomon was yeah. like, if you're looking for the portal, you have to find Robert Langdon Just before he slipped into hum." hum-, hum. What's it called? Hamistagon.
1: Hamistagon. I don't. I. I don't know how to speak. Um, <laughs> I assume old Farsi, old Persian. I think that's what most of the Zoroastrian shit's written in. Um. Anyways, uh, but yeah, it's going to become very apparent that like the fact that Langdon hasn't clocked what's going on at this point is preposterous. <laughs> and. Yeah, Peter will point the way, and he's like, How oh, do you say Peter was in purgatory? And Moloch says, As above, so below. And Langdon's like, Oh, damn, that's uh, a reference to a Hermetic adage, adage that proclaimed the belief in the physical connection between heaven and earth. And it's like, Shut the fuck up.
0: What does that mean? Um, what does he mean? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it just means. <laughs> it's just like, realize, realize, realize. Like, that's. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, that's it's, it's just on. like
1: extreme. It's very frustrating. Oh, gross. Um, and then from the, from the rotunda of the Capitol, Langdon hears screaming.
0: Oh, I love it. that's a I chapter break. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you, Dan Brown. All right. So he runs into the, into the Capitol. This is chapter 10. Yeah,
1: yeah, and what does he see there? Just an ordinary object. And he's like, why is everyone upset about this?
0: Well, it turns out someone pulled something out of a sling and left it there. And what he sees is a mannequin hand forest no
1: obviously (laughs) he's like oh why is everyone worried about this someone just left one of those like little art hand mannequin things uh here in the middle of the Capitol rotunda and you know he goes on about handikins
0: for some time
1: (laughs) yeah he complains about college students putting them around with their middle fingers up because college students are fucking idiots and it's like whomst among us would not do this
0: Mm. um i recently went into a, a shop called flying tiger which is like an IKEA for office supplies, um which is just it's all very cute, and there was a bin of handiquins and then a smaller bin of smaller handiquins, so you could have like mm. you know you could just have a, a travel handiquin, and I shit you not eighty percent of them were with their middle fingers up That's the only thing to exactly. do
1: a universal instinct. <laughs> Uh but Langdon as he gets close he's like, Oh no, this isn't this very normal thing I automatically assumed it was because you know we just see him lying around everywhere all of the time. At Harvard? Handekins on
0: handekins.
1: <laughs> it's true. I was on I was I was uh near the Harvard campus in Harvard Square a couple weeks ago and it was like fuck you cannot walk a step around <laughs> here without tripping over a handakin. <laughs> um <laughs> But Langdon's like, oh, fuck. No, this, this plastic surface is not smooth like most handicaps. He Instead, touches it.
0: No, he sees it. He looks no, at he it. No, he draws okay.
1: nearer. He's like, the surface is like um, mottled and wrinkled, kind of like real skin. Oh, fuck. And then he saw the blood. It's like, come on, dude. Uh, this how, is... did you miss, how did you miss these things before?
0: Now we get into some like old school Robert Langdon grossness. I don't remember if Da Vinci Code was this gross. Do you?
1: Um, I don't think so. There was not nothing grossness. like the angels and demons, like getting someone's retinas pulled out thing.
0: Yeah, that's nasty. And then, uh, well, what's it called? In um, the no, digital fortress? thank you, <laughs> digital fortress. Uh Benjamin.
1: digital fortress.
0: <laughs> we see, you know, we hear about the b- body frying and getting soggy on the thing that was nasty. <laughs> I
1: forgot about that.
0: <laughs> You hate to see it. So we're getting some, some gore here. I don't
1: think you're building up too much. This is, this is weakling gore.
0: At I, least for someone
1: with an iron stomach like me.
0: It's upsetting, Forrest. I don't know what to tell
1: you. You want to read it?
0: Sure. The severed wrist appeared to have been skewered onto a spiked wooden base so that it would stand up. A wave of nausea rushed over him. And me, for the record. Langdon inched closer, unable to breathe seeing now that the tips of the index finger and thumb had been decorated with tiny tattoos. The tattoos, however, were not what held Langdon's attention. His gaze moved instantly to the familiar golden ring on the fourth finger. Can you tattoo a, a severed piece of body?
1: Um, I mean, I assume so. I
0: don't see why not, but I also feel like... But
1: in this case, my assumption is that he applied the tattoos before he severed the hand. Oh. But I'd be wrong there. Um, It's also going to be important that the hand is posed such that the index finger and thumb are like pointing skyward and the remaining fingers are kind of curled up into a loose fist. It's like using a kind of... It's like, you know, uh, in Smash Mouth's song All-Star
0: when she has her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. It's that. That's what's going on.
1: Yeah, but with the thumb a little more up to be close to parallel with the index finger.
0: In the shape of an upside-down seven on her forehead. In the shape of a J. Fine. Yeah, okay, I'll take it.
1: um, Chapter 11, we're back with Catherine Solomon, who as we may recall, was going into the office at the Smithsonian Museum Support Center. Um, And the thing that I noticed today, as I was writing down some notes here, Mm -hmm. is that The Solomon family has some weird policy where A, their um, last name is, you know, a monarch with a uh, by name, Suleiman the Magnificent, Mm -hmm. or just Solomon the Wise. Okay. And then both of their kids are Russian czars who are the great, because there's Peter Solomon, Peter the Great, and And there's Catherine. Catherine Solomon, Catherine the Great. Anyways, they're like Italian or Greek or something. Um, they might be some other Mediterranean something. Mm-hmm. It's never quite clear. At least I don't think it is. Uh, but they're not Russians. I don't know why they're doing this Russian czar shit. Unless, <laughs> um, are you are you familiar? They have with, a triplet named uh,
0: Alexander. No.
1: Fact. No. What's um? Cause, sorry. I'm going to take us on a very stupid digression.
0: (laughs) Can't wait. Um, This is what I live for.
1: Have you heard of the new chronology by Edward Winter? Have not. uh, Expounded by this Russian guy called Fomenko. It's this this Russian conspiracy theory to which uh, famed (laughs) former world chess champion Gary Kasparov subscribes, which is effectively that all of world history prior to the year sixteen hundred is just mostly kind of made up and like everyone that is actually important that's ever lived in history is like actually Russian. So like uh <laughs> Alexander the Great, Russian. Oh my god. Uh like Ramses, probably Russian. Oh my god. Napoleon? Or Napoleon Napoleon's actually French, I think. He's too late to yeah, too fall late. under this. But like it's it's this bizarre fucking thing and <laughs> it's expounded upon in this enormous series of books.
0: Wait, why and
1: though? Th- I don't know. What I, is I mean, served? it's a conspiracy. I think mostly Russian nationalism.
0: Well, who, but who erased, who erased the Russians uh,
1: from history? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone else who's not as cool as the Russians.
0: Just collectively, but, this is what I run into with the flat Earth thing all the time because I do the thing where qui like Qui bono? Hmm. Qui bono? I don't know what you're saying.
1: Isn't that who benefits? Qui Bono? Oh, yes. Is that a legal thing?
0: Yeah. I'm not a criminal lawyer. So, I mean, right now I am. Anyway.
1: (laughs) I'm a flat earth lawyer.
0: (laughs) But they're like, you know, the flat earth, like the UN symbol symbolizes a flat earth. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm with you so far. But, and then they're like, they're trying to hide from us that the earth is flat. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then that's it. It ends right there. And I don't know what it would serve to have a flat earth kibono like like really like truly like what, what are they hiding under I, the earth <laughs> Like,
1: i follow this twitter account called cursed conspira boomer images <laughs> and a lot of this flat Earth stuff
0: you've been on twitter a lot recently what happened to mastodon did it implode
1: uh <laughs> um uh I don't know, it's just like no one else is on there anymore It's hard to find people on Mastodon I'm sorry The the community that got built up uh, I think there was a lot of infighting that I missed And then like, you know Two of the big servers that were around when I was like mostly on Both imploded And now either everyone's gone back to Twitter Or else just like, I don't know where they are now very sad This is the problem with a decentralized platform Mastodon Is like uh, If someone buys the server In this case it was bofa.lol <laughs> um, And at some point Either someone decided to stop paying for the server space Or there was a bunch of infighting among the various mods Or some combination of those things And so once it went away you know, Everyone would always do these posts that were like Oh message out to everyone who follows me Here's where I'm going to be um from now on so same username but now I'm at kinzik.me and then kinzik.me also imploded oh no kinzik.me was weird cuz like uh that was that was the mod of that was just like as far as i can tell just a perfectly normal japanese person <laughs> and so like the two communities that were like parallel on kinzik.me were just like as far as I can tell, perfectly ordinary Japanese people who mostly post about anime and then just like a bunch of like weird left psychopaths. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. It was really great.
0: Um a Republican mega donor purchased a sizable stake in Twitter recently. So that's the problem with the centralized version.
1: Uh, which one?
0: Which Republican me- mega donor? Yeah. Uh Paul Singer.
1: Okay. Like, all high-level chess in the U.S. is mostly sponsored by this run guy, Roy Sinkfield, who's also a a fucking (laughs) mega-donor. Cool. Um, And, like, he used to, and, like, to some degree, it's kind of fractured um, his, like, main locations in St. Louis. And a bunch of professional chess people who used to work at this place in St. Louis, or at least a couple notable ones, have gone out and done their own thing, mostly because of political disagreements with Roy Sinkfield. Pretty cool Law <laughs> uh, um, symbol
0: What's happening to law <laughs> symbol <laughs> I just wanted to say that the um, the Twitter drama is like, It's exactly my That's my city right there It's like subversive corporate Takeover law um, He's trying to get uh, Jack Dorsey as uh, CEO So
1: Okay Jack Dorsey Have of course you haven't, but just on the off (laughs) chance, have you watched Star Trek Picard on CBS? I'll access it all. I
0: haven't. I'm I'm waiting to watch it with David.
1: Okay, when you do, this is not going to be a spoiler. There is this Romulan Tal Shiar agent on there who's like a major character at least in the first half of it so far. Okay. And he looks fucking exactly like Jack Dorsey. Finally, find a fucking. I'm gonna
0: Google Jack Dorsey Star Trek.
1: Google Jack Dorsey Romulan. Um, I should... How does this not bring it up? What in the fuck?
0: Jack Dorsey looks like... Uh, what's his name? Tyrion from Game of Thrones.
1: He does look like that. He go has... to your Twitter DMs. Or, yeah, go to your Twitter DMs.
0: <laughs> it goes down in the DM. It goes down. It goes <laughs> down. In the DM it goes down. It goes down. Did I ever tell you my mom loves that song?
1: Anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was I was watching this show and I was like, oh, look at this. Like, I don't I don't approve of like a, a Romulan secret agent being like kind of scruffy and sexy. And then I saw this fucking picture from next with Jack Dorsey. Like, oh, I don't want to think of Jack Dorsey as like the sexy Romulan secret agent. But like,
0: OK, they look
1: the fucking same.
0: They don't look OK. OK. They look, they look similar the fucking same in that them. they both look vaguely elven. But one of them is far handsomer than the other.
1: I mean, yeah, but, like, also they look the fucking same, man <laughs>
0: They, they do I recently saw pictures um, of the lead singer of Fun, who I guess I've never seen before And he looks just like John Mulaney, to think, who'da thunk
1: Oh, uh, cause Fun, like, the lead singer is not actually Jack Antonov, right? Jack Antonov is just, like, the main writer Yeah Okay uh, Nature. That's a band I did not care much for. Although I did like that "Some Nights" song. I had a really cool drum part. And yeah, that guy sings so high. <laughs> that song was good. Music critique but, 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 with
0: Forrest. <laughs> that guy sings their, so high. Their, 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 their
1: first, their first big song sucked. What was yeah. the first Ta-da. one? It was like,
0: um, yeah, boring, garbage, right. bullshit. <laughs>
1: Um, Catherine Solomon (laughs) is going to work. (laughs) Um, She has to walk like a quarter mile to get from the front desk of the Smithsonian Museum Support Center to uh, Pod 5, which is where she works. Mm -hmm. And it's important to know for future action scenes that she has to walk down the street, capital T, capital S, a corridor connecting the building's five storage pods. Um, It's just a big, long hallway. And it's pretty empty and she got to pass these weird pods and she's thinking back on um, when we... her brother first showed her this place i wanted to talk about like, a
0: sentence if, if it's okay, okay with you
1: absolutely um
0: 40 feet overhead a circulatory system of orange ductwork throbbed with the heartbeat of the building the pulsing sounds of thousands of cubic feet of filtered air being circulated that's it that's all i wanted to say is the throbbing yeah, and the I mean, pulsing we all
1: We've all been walking under HVAC ductwork and seen it literally physically pulsing in movement as you walk beneath (laughs) it. I think we can all identify with that. Um, So, yeah. She walks by pod three and she's like, oh, what the fuck's in there? What in the world is that? But we're not going to learn yet. Oh, because we're talking about. It's called the wet pod. We're in
0: a flashback now. Did you already say that?
1: Yeah, this chapter is like half flashback, half. Real time, because like as she's walking to the hallway, she's thinking back, and like she's been like, weird. My brother is late for this meeting. He's never late for this meeting. Yeah, they had every week.
0: Catherine and her brother practice radical transparency. They know everything about each other and all of their like movements. And he has no secrets except for when he gave her this pod. And we're gonna get into the story of this pod. This is
1: also just like that Romulan secret agent from Star Trek: Picard, mm-hmm. who's definitely in a sexual relationship with his sister. Oh um,
0: wow! Don't like that. <laughs> It's not clear they're
1: actually having sex, but like their relationship is certainly sexual. Um, <laughs> uh, she's really hot. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, but <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: uh, so yeah, she's she's like flashing back to when her brother first showed her this place, and he's like, you know, there's this big empty pod that we're not going to be using for a few years. It's sitting empty. So I'm actually just uh, appropriating it for you to do these theoretical experiments you've been developing. And she's like, uh, do you not know what a theoretical means, bitch? <laughs> it means like it's a theory. And he's like, no, we can actually do it here. It's this big, empty airport hangar. Yeah, we can do I'm it here. It Sorry, i said so I would it's like, okay that morning. you're my sister. Uh-huh. What
0: was that? I said, yeah, we can do it here, as per the incest that we discussed earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's only okay as long as you're in an unlit airport <laughs> hangar-sized mm-hmm. building where God can't see. You. Did
0: we mention that the pod number three is a wet pod? Did we talk about that?
1: <laughs> I, I I briefly mentioned it, but not I didn't I didn't fully make notes. <laughs> um, and something in there's scary.
0: Yeah, it's scary in there. But
1: also maybe sexy. <laughs> um, fuck, this is the you're the monk. You're the monk. <laughs> Lena. It's um, a monk
0: girl spring.
1: Yeah. Uh, Catherine's like you built me a lab here Isn't that like nepotism to give your sister This whole fucking building He's like no it's okay because I am paying for it out of pocket And also my job is to advance scientific research uh, But it's also like This is also government building This big empty um, pod But we don't worry about it <laughs> He's donating his paycheck To a charity
0: Isn't he literally the like richest man in the world here Like
1: He's one of them. He's like real. He's he. His, their whole family is like, um,
0: like unfathomable, like Rockefeller money is what we're talking exactly. about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so they get to pod five and he's like, you sure you're ready to see this crazy shit. And she's like, oh, you such a showman. And it's a big empty room, the size of an airplane hangar waiting for a fleet of airbuses And it's totally black in there. And he tells her that the lab itself Unlike the entire hangar Is small to be heated It's in a thermally insulated cinder block room Um Located in the farthest corner of the pod Uh but to get there there's no light
0: Okay I remember this bothered me before (laughs) (laughs) So It's in the farthest corner It's like up against the wall Mm -hmm. Of this room For separation but wouldn't you just put it In the middle of the room to have it be Maximally separated
1: that's correct um what but dan brown forgets that walls have things on the other side (laughs) and also like i went on google maps today and looked up how like how isolated is the fucking smsc Mm -hmm. and the answer is like not isolated it's a 20 minute drive away Mm -hmm. from the capitol building right
0: it's like in dc
1: (laughs) it's like in dc (laughs) Um,
0: it's in a bustling metropolis it's not like out in a desert
1: Yeah, but, you know, she's got cinder blocks. It's fine. Um,
0: But, like, again, like, (laughs) why not just put it in the middle?
1: (laughs) You know? Um,
0: Shoulda, coulda, woulda.
1: Who are we to to try to fathom the working? And, like, how fucking crowded can the end of the hallway, the street, be if the only place it leads is to Pod 5? We'll never know. Um, And the reason it has to be so isolated is because Catherine's experiments had to be performed in isolation from extraneous radiation which includes things like brain radiation or thought emissions or like a radio on the
0: other side of the wall whatever
1: yeah and like that's a pretty good indication that the science she's doing is probably bullshit but um you know
0: hey in the fact section noetic <laughs> sciences uh, are accurate yeah <laughs> or no we're, what gonna, do we we're say? gonna find
1: out that some more facts are also not correct a little later on did here. you say accurate um,
0: Is that how he describes them? I think that's I think that's right. It's like a, he says he
1: says he says that like all locations, things in this described are. He doesn't say accurate. I think he just says are real.
0: I don't like this that at all. Okay.
1: Um, and she's like, "How am I supposed to walk to this little cube in the darkness?" And he's already walked ahead, and he's like, "You got to take a leap of faith." And she finds her way there, and we don't find out how yet. Yeah. Also because of a future action scene There's a fun little breadcrumb
0: um, trail That leads her there yeah. But we don't know how it works
1: um, And so she gets to the cube And she enters in her pin And um, She's like Where the fuck is Peter? <clears throat> and then that's a uh, cut off for the next chapter Chapter 12
0: Alright, <laughs> let's keep going I guess uh, In this
1: one we're gonna meet Um Capitol Police Chief Trent Anderson Who is a burly square chested Redhead with a buzzed Haircut and chiseled face
0: Which says to me (laughs) um, All the cops are the same
1: uh, What's his his fucking name God damn
0: it Guile from Street Fighter
1: uh, not who I was thinking of <laughs> um, What's the motherfucker's name? He's like in Homeland And he's in um, Fucking uh, Wolf Hall And he's in I don't know um, Fucking I don't know um, anyone who's in
0: Homeland
1: the, Damien Lewis Damien Lewis Oh um, I
0: don't know I think of, I think of
1: Damien Lewis As Henry VIII In Wolf Hall
0: Is that my DMs? Uh,
1: this one's in your Google <laughs> Chat that we have going on. <laughs> okay. Uh This is another thing At Chris's Poopa Noted is that at any given time i'm using three different communications method to talk to any one person i
0: don't you know i don't think this is the guy i think guile is more accurate
1: who's guile from street fight i'm a moral combat man myself gross i know <laughs> uh guile street fighter oh yeah fair
0: <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> uh, my fiance is a street fighter guy so this is the only fighting game i really know that's not true but b- mostly this one
1: i'm bad at everyone I've ever played um <laughs> anyways trent anderson like everyone in this fucking book wants to watch the washington football team play their game tonight mm-hmm. uh kickoff had just happened was intercom buzzed and according to my psychopathic timeline Uh, This is shortly after 7 o'clock. I think the game starts at 7 o'clock.
0: Hell yeah, timeline.
1: Um, And he's in the TV room watching people in the Capitol Rotunda. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's a disturbance. And so he watches as the surveillance footage shows a guy walking up with a shaved head in a green army surplus jacket and a sling. He watches him kneel in the floor, leave something there and walk away. And then he calls an alert. And if we recall, this is a clip he's watching. He's not watching it live, uh-huh. and so he's he tells everyone in the capital to find this guy in the sling and detain him. And he goes to what he thinks is the most likely exit point to cut him off, where he sees only a blonde tourist in a blue blazer reading a guidebook, studying the mosaic ceiling outside the House Chamber. And he's like, "Have you seen a bomber with a sling?" And he's like, "Oh y- yeah, I think he just ran past me to that staircase over there." <laughs> um, and, and this Bugs pl- Bunny
0: plot. ass plot got him. <laughs> um,
1: and then uh, Malach says in bold italic type, "Transformation." <laughs> it had been so easy. <laughs>
0: bold. <laughs> Um, oh they're just this close to having a a space between every single one of the letters (laughs) (laughs) Um, transformation this is my gift this is also the plot of master of disguise starring Dana Carvey
1: (laughs) am I not turtly enough for the turtle (laughs) I've never seen that movie I just know that line Um,
0: (laughs) did you know that that scene was filmed as the second plane was hitting the second twin tower (laughs)
1: i did know that (laughs) they had a moment of silence on set for us (laughs) Um, so yeah the the blonde tourist was malach who had thrown off his jacket and sling to reveal the slim blue blazer underneath and then put on a little wig (laughs) because he's so good at disguises and then we got a very weird paragraph
0: (laughs) can i read it can i read it Oh, yeah, go for it. As Malach's mortal legs (laughs) carried him toward his waiting limousine. He arched his back, standing to his full six-foot-three height and throwing back his shoulders. He inhaled deeply, letting the air fill his lungs. He could feel the wings of the tattooed phoenix on his chest opening wide.
1: His mortal legs.
0: It's a lot. Um, I don't know.
1: I think maybe it's actually a oblique reference to Ozymandias. Is it? Two vast and trunkless legs of stone in the desert. Right? Percy Bysshe Shelley.
0: I I know what you're saying, Forrest. I just don't know
1: if... I'm just trying to prove how smart I am. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because, Because Ozymandias thought that his legs and form would be immortal... But they weren't, whereas Moloch's legs are mortal But he's gunning for immortality Something like that
0: Wow, you're ascribing a lot of, a lot of uh, depth to Dan Brown right now
1: You know, if, if, do you think that someone who was a real intellectual Would be working at this very moment on a children's book With an accompanying piece of classical music? Because oh, so I don't Does he
0: have children? I don't think so it's for the best.
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his money's going to go to a worthy cause, like, probably Harvard. <laughs>
0: um,
1: chapter 13. Oh, we
0: get some timeline. He says, tonight my transformation will be complete. So we know that, like, we're on a like eight-hour clock, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything's going to happen pretty quickly here, except it's actually going to seem like it takes forever. Yeah. Chapter
0: 13. The
1: Capitol Police in chapter 13, are busy, like, I think probably abusing their power.
0: Sounds like it. Uh, shock.
1: So, uh, you know, everyone's looking at his hand, and the cops trying to get it under control. A bright light flashed, a tourist taking a photo of the hand, and um, several guards immediately detained the man, taking his camera and escorting him off. Like, you can't do that, right? I mean, like, obviously can and do but like this isn't like a national security issue it's just like a hand in the middle of the Capitol rotunda this man's a journalist this man is jake gyllenhaal a (laughs) nightcrawler
0: i think i think this counts as a national security issue i mean i think you could ease i mean i don't think it does but i think the police think it does and so give me that camera
1: i guess sounds fishy to me uh, there's
0: a there's a bloody hand in the middle of the rotunda. What if there's a bomb in it? You know,
1: I guess. But like, th- does some guy taking a picture of that bomb necessitate taking his camera away?
0: I don't know. Maybe they don't want photos don't so. of the incident. Who's to say?
1: Sounds like sounds like I don't know. Doesn't sound like a nation with a with a functioning First Amendment to me.
0: <laughs> it's more of a Fourth uh, Amendment issue, I think.
1: Shut the fuck up! <laughs> um, never tell me about the Constitution. <laughs> um, so Langdon the hand is chilling,
0: enough, just for the record. Chilling.
1: Um, Langdon's close enough now to see that their dried blood had run down from the wrist and coagulated onto the wooden base. And um, you know, forensic pathologist Robert Langdon is like, ah, postmortem wounds don't bleed. I love Dexter, which means that Peter's alive. <laughs> Um,
0: He's nauseous again He's gonna throw up And like any second He's gonna hurl
1: And like As the police are Trying to cordon this area off And like Beating up people With cameras Langdon just keeps on Getting closer to the hand And he sees the (laughs) tattoos Of a crown and a star And he's As he crouches down Eyeing the tips of Peter's thumb And index finger He's like Tattoos A crown And a star This can't be This is the This is the hand of mysteries um, and he has time to think of this whole fucking stupid paragraph before a guard's like, uh, sir, please step back. <laughs> Three, two, one, record. You see, if I didn't say it on my end, then I wouldn't have it when I go to, well, you could have
0: just clicked when I said, like said, like, but it's fine. It's, we got there.
1: Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that would have worked too, but this <laughs> way is more fun for me. Um,
0: my, um, Kindle has gone into sleep mode. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're back in business it's all happening
1: (laughs) it's the hand of mysteries the hand of mysteries is on the floor it's got tattoos it's got a thumb and a crown um, crown Uh and the guard tells Lang to step back and he's like there are other tattoos there are other tattoos in the hand the hand represents an invitation and as, as far as I can tell I can't find any reference to the Hand of Mysteries before, like, 17, maybe 1600. Maybe later. Uh Um, And also, he's going to describe it more later on, but, like, as far as I can tell, it's less of an invitation to some kind of arcane initiation. Like, it's a little bit that. But I think it's mostly just literally a mnemonic device for... Alchemical salts.
0: Oh, that's exciting! That's more fun, I think. There's a
1: good there's a good web page that describes it, but like there's a centerpiece of this that is not described by Dan Brown's version of the Hand of Mysteries, and so it's all very frustrating. Uh,
0: can I ask you something? Have you found mm-hmm. that your education as an archivist has made you has has given you skills to better uh, fact check these novels? uh no okay all right well Langdon feels some powerful arms pulling him up and leading him away from the hand so we're 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 Uh, back there's a
1: consummation devoutly to be wished (laughs) 2020 um in chapter 14 we learn maybe my single favorite fact about Yeah. um which is that this motherfucker drives a stretch limousine (laughs)
0: Malach felt the feeling of power he got from driving this massive car all alone.
1: He's got five other cars, but he doesn't use them. This one guarantees privacy, because none of the cops in D.C. are going to pull over a limo, because like, what if they pull over Vladimir Putin or some shit, and he like poisons them with cobalt thorium G?
0: He calls them Um, embassies on wheels, which, like, when I took a stretch Hummer limo to the Rocky Horror Picture Show on my 18th birthday... (laughs) <laughs> that was an embassy, baby. When I got yeah. to get in a limo,
1: is single-handedly responsible for climate change <laughs> as well as the prosecution of U.S. workers.
0: When I sold more magazines than anyone else in my class. When I got to go in a limo to In-N-Out, that was an embassy. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to go in the limo with Chase, who was my crush at the time. It did not pan out.
1: Ooh. Chase is an incredible high school. Crush, I know. <laughs>
0: There were two chases in my... That's like archetypal. My, I was in middle school. There were two chases in my middle school. One was ugly and one was beautiful.
1: That sounds yeah. about right. Um, so Malach has learned of a secret lab where Catherine Solomon had been performing miracles and it's going to unveil the true nature of all things. And Malach is like, we can't be having that. <laughs> um, not on my fucking watch. Um. I have come to obscure the light. This is my role.
0: I guess we'll get he'll he'll explain a little bit more about what this means later. It's just you never hear someone wanting to obscure the light. Like even these fucking QAnon people are here to expose the truth, you know?
1: Where we go one, Lena? What? We go all. <laughs> Where we go one,
2: we go all.
1: There is a guy, um I took a few weeks of a stats class at community college in san diego before ucla rudely rejected me and then i didn't have to take stats anymore because that was the only program that wanted me to take stats mm-hmm. and that class like truly fucking sucked i've never had a worse lecture in anything ever <laughs> um and like i i got the material like it was fine but just man this fucking lecture sucked ass and i couldn't deal with it <laughs> and i didn't need the class but there's a guy in that class who um was always wearing QAnon shirts.
0: How many did he have? <laughs>
1: and it, I, I mean, I went, I went to like two months of that class, so at least eight. <laughs> there might have been a couple repeats in there, but like he had several. Uh,
0: I once saw a guy in a QAnon shirt at Costco in Poway. That's all I have for you.
1: I have to believe your average QAnon guy is not super big on laundry. <laughs>
0: There's a really interesting article about how Most, like, QAnon folks Are just, like, sad and lonely Older people who are, like, normal For the most part, but believe This conspiracy theory
1: Every fucking, like, major holiday There's, like, the saddest Twitter thread Of someone going, like Taking a picture of just, like, a dry Ham sandwich being like, oh you know, spend this Thanksgiving alone because my families are all like libcucks. Uh, you know, post post your Thanksgiving dinners if your family also doesn't want you to have you here because of your uh, belief in the fact of QAnon. And then it's just like a million boomers uh, posting pictures of just the most depressing dinners you've ever seen. Oh my God. It's pretty sad. It'll be interesting
0: to see what kinds of conspiracy theories come out of this epidemic.
1: Oh, I mean,. Uh have been are you familiar with the Twitter personality Bill Mitchell?
0: Uh does he have a person's face as an avatar?
1: He does. He's the most he looks like, a, he, looks like a, he looks like a he looks like a game show host kind of. Mm,
0: yes, I do know who Bill Mitchell is.
1: I followed him briefly for like a week or okay. two before I had to unfollow him because I was like actively losing yeah, my mind. Yeah, your brain was rotting. Um <laughs> <laughs> And he's 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 been on a couple of coronavirus conspiracies, and his replies have been on many many more coronavirus conspiracies. Well, the thing is, like, um, people
0: str- on Fox News business are straight up being like, "This is a this is a, a an impeachment conspiracy," and I'm like, "Okay, sick." And then they're like, "I mean, Trump's probably gonna," at- <laughs> Bolsonaro last week. So
1: apparently, and I say, ignore that. I'm joking. <laughs>
0: So anyway, (laughs) Malach explains that for millennia, mankind had wandered in darkness. And now there was a change coming, as had been prophesied. Um, But this is scary for him and bad. It's bad for the clarity to illuminate the darkness.
1: Exactly. He wants to prevent a new renaissance. But that's Um, because
0: it's his role, right?
1: Yep. Yes. So this is also You know, there's a great transition here. Malach is going to Make sure darkness remains And then chapter 15 Begins with Catherine Solomon Groping in the darkness I didn't even
0: notice This the first time I read it Damn Forrest You are so smart
1: I didn't notice it Until I turned the page While you were talking I was like Darkness dark- Oh fuck um, <laughs> What if Dan Brown's Like actually a good author And we're just Too dumb to notice it <laughs> Sorry for saying that Plot out loud. twist <laughs> um, Have you heard The Sigrid song Plot twist The what song um, She goes to the cube <laughs> um, The cube is her lab inside Pod 5 It's got a hydrogen cell power thing Going on she goes into the lab It's full of um A bunch of dumb Science equipment it's probably a smart science Equipment but I don't know what it is
0: <laughs> We don't go um, into it we, He does not t- treat the science equipment the same way he Treats like any other machine
1: I don't know I mean It has Has Paired electroencephalographs, a femtosecond comb, a magneto-optical trap, and quantum, electronic noise REG, oh, excuse me, quantum indeterminate electronic noise REGs, more simply known as random event generators, which I have to assume is what that REG stands for. But he doesn't um, so say like, like
0: <laughs> it's the turboencephalograph atron 3000. The way he might with like a gun or a car.
1: <laughs> Pair- oh, he doesn't give you a brand name for the parrot electroencephalographs. Yeah. That is true. Um, a magneto-optical trap was a essential plot point in a really good issue of X Men.
0: Can I ask, just real quick, a quantum indeterminate electronic noise REGs, more simply known as random event generators, could they not just be called REGs if we're just if we're going to shorten them to? that's what what i was saying okay
1: so like the the so the long version of the name he gives you includes the acronym for the short version of the name he gives you (laughs) my man's an artist
0: (laughs) Um, this is viz rep all over again
1: (laughs) might never matter Catherine's thinking about noetic sciences and how it uses cutting-edge equipment but like it's actually um you know, pretty wild and rooted in ancient ideas, mm-hmm. and she talks about starts talking about what it is, and it's it, it's basically the whole thing where you're like kind of hippie second grade teachers like telling you how if you think positive thoughts at plants they grow better, and like if you are freezing water in a in a in a in a freezer and you think directed positive thoughts at it, the crystalline structure in the ice is kind of orderly and good. But if you think chaotic bad thoughts, the crystalline structure in the ice like is different. And like maybe science is wider, wilder than we ever thought. <laughs> it's that. That's no science is.
0: Yeah, that's what's going on. It, it, he says it in um so many words. He takes so long to say that. Um he talks about nine eleven. Uh, it's a whole thing
1: Yeah and he ties it back to The ancient spiritual belief In a cosmic consciousness yes. Let's get into it um, Yes, It's some real Marianne Williamson shit who I know we talked about A lot last time recorded this when she was still A, a prominent figure in our lives <laughs> um, <laughs> But now it's March of 2020 and Aside from today she had a tweet About penises I think Did she? That got yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand it.
0: Um, was it about like toxic masculinity?
1: No, I think it was about coronavirus and something.
0: What?
1: Yeah, I was starting to get. I was <laughs> Marion Williamson. I was starting to get really depressed, and then I burst out laughing, thinking about how many penises have been prayed over over the, have been prayed for over the last two days. Next tweet in parentheses to those who don't understand the reference. And given how viral it's been, I'd assume there were very few of those. A doctored video of my coronavirus meditation makes it sound like, well, you know, and I don't know, but (laughs) sure.
0: But she's praying over a penis?
1: I guess. I mean, I don't think she is, but like... But
0: but the doctored footage.
1: I don't understand it, but that's what Mary Williamson's up to, and presumably also noetic science.
0: And... I'm sorry, I I need to unpack this just a little bit further. (laughs) She's saying that people are seeing this doctored footage and then copying the doctored footage and praying over the penises.
1: That's my assumption. Okay. Thank you. Because you know how when you see a fake video of someone to make fun of them, you then go and do the thing they tell you to do in the fake video?
0: Well, the other option is just playing the video is a prayer. One play equals one prayer.
1: That could also be okay. It's like a prayer wheel that way. Um, uh uh, uh sciences. She keeps on talking about it. She keeps on talking about it. Um, so she says oh,
0: this is the missing link between modern science and ancient mysticism. That's all you need to know. There's like she mentions like, K- Kabbalah, Kabbalah,
1: Kabbalah. Uh, The Zohar And like so To reinforce this we get another flashback To When she is doing her undergraduate Degree I believe at Harvard Um And she's on Break And she goes back and talks to Her brother Peter Um And oh sorry She goes to Yale. Yale The Solomons are a Yale family Yes um and so her brother's like ah what are the Eli's reading these days in theoretical physics and it's like motherfucker they aren't they're going to parties um <laughs> and she gives him her reading list that Eli's? she's not read uh, it's 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 what Yale people call themselves oh gross I know <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate that <laughs> uh and. He's like, "Oh, are you reading you know, you're reading Einstein, Bohr, Hawking? But are you reading anything older than that?" And she's like, "You mean Newton?" And she's like, Ugh. and he's like, "Older older than that." And she's like, "That's preposterous. What are you talking about? Pythagoras, uh Hermes Trismegistus."
0: Hermes um, Trismegistus. He's <laughs> quoted I only know the the name Hermes Trismegistus because Pharrell says it in Where They From by Missy Elliott featuring Pharrell. <laughs> Hermes Trismegistus. And I was like, that can't be right.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it should be Hermes. <laughs> um, but Hermes Trismegistus is very funny. <laughs> um, and he's like, you know even more than that uh the 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 scientific wisdom of the ancients was staggering um and she's like yeah you know Egyptians had levers and pulleys and shit yeah. but like you know no one was doing like entanglement theory and he's like you idiot of course um the the the, the nature of of things being entangled is is key to ancient philosophy and like That's not I think directly what quantum entanglement is (laughs) Uh, But whatever And then he's like It's like Man's oldest spiritual quest was to perceive his own entanglement To sense his own interconnection with all things He has always wanted to become one with the universe To achieve the state of at one We talked about this To this day Jews and Christians still strive for atonement And you know what the worst fucking part of this is? (laughs) He's right that is the correct etymology for atonement.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say that he's explaining quantum entanglement the same way that, like, if you have an aunt who sells essential oils, like, explains resonance and vibrations. like.
1: And then Catherine correctly is like, okay, you're talking, like, generalities here, which obviously, um, just because things are entangled doesn't mean it's entanglement theory. And so then he's like, Well then you be specific. She's like, Well what about polarity, the positive negative balance of the subatomic oh realm? Oh my god. And like oh, nice specific Catherine. And then Peter <laughs> Solomon's like, ah just modern polarity is nothing but the dual softballs. world described by Krishna here in the Bhagavad Gita or a dozen other books. Like it's 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 the it's,
0: force, for example.
1: He's talking about like Manichaean duality as being an idea of polarity. Which I don't know what quantum physics polarity is. I assume it's like, uh, Maddie antimatter shit. You know what we need on this podcast? We need
0: a third person who knows like, the nitty gritty about science.
1: That would be helpful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Good idea. But anyways, I don't think it's the same thing as uh, manichaeism. And Catherine is still skeptical, rightly, and she's like, okay. What about like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which I guess. And he's like, ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, Heisenberg and Schrodinger studied uh, the Upanishads, uh, which we all know because um, famously Robert Oppenheimer upon um, the atomic bomb shit did the did the quotation from, uh, I think, the Bhagavad Gita. no. Oh. I don't know from one of them fucking books yeah. where he's like I've become death the destroyer of mm-hmm. worlds and it's like badass and like you know you zoom in to um uh sean connery's mouth as he's saying it aboard the red october and he's talking in russian zoom back out and he's talking in english now (laughs) um Uh, just
0: good i still haven't seen that movie Um,
1: yeah i know over 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 like over over uh on new year's day lena came over and watched point break and so now i can't reference point break anymore i can only reference the hunt for october the other good movie that lena hasn't seen
0: (laughs) um just real quick in defense of Catherine, she's a sophomore in college. She doesn't know anything.
1: A wise fool. <laughs> uh we're talking
0: about super string theory now. I don't know. And
1: like nothing could be nothing could be clearer about the way Peter Solomon's conducting himself in this conversation than that he is a twenty-seven year old dude. Um,
0: <laughs> How old are you, Forrest?
1: Twenty-nine. <laughs> I know I'm fucking ancient. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: and I mean, also, I am here, um, uh, <laughs> trying to explain scientific facts on a podcast about Dan Brown books. <laughs> so, uh, you know, glass houses. I
0: realized recently that um, my mom had me at this age. Like, as at the time huh. that I'm drinking a three euro cab salve, talking about Dan Brown, <laughs> my mom had a whole baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know.
0: It's a good cab salve, though. <laughs>
1: I was I was also the same like along the same lines I think just this morning where I was like you know thinking of how old my parents are and like how old they are in relation to my grandma and then like hello
0: I think I think my
1: parents yeah I I I was I was I was I was was paused in in deep contemplation and thought Mm. um but yeah basically I'm just an immature moron But I'm almost 30 Which is like You're supposed to be like An actual adult At age 30
0: You're so close and I don't think I am that You're so close How much longer do you have I'm not gonna
1: be... I mean a year I'll be 30 when I graduate
0: Amazing Then you'll have a career
1: We'll see I've been applying for jobs lately. It's not been going so good Because of the coronavirus <laughs> okay. uh, And now like no one's hiring
0: (laughs) fair i don't know what's happening with my summer job yet will i still have one will i work remotely we don't know
1: everything is so weird yeah (laughs) and Catherine, and then they start talking about super string theory which the year that this book is published is 2009 string theory hasn't yet been like all but conclusively debunked. Mm-hmm. Brian Greene is still making oodles of money fucking talking about it and writing about it. I read both those books in middle school and felt so fucking smart. <laughs> um and um he's like, "Well, he, you know, of course the superstring theory is not in the Bhagavad Gita. For that, you've got to come here." <laughs> slams a book on the table and Katherine flips through it and she's like, "Oh fuck." He's talking about ten dimensional universes of resonating strings. It's the Zohar. It even describes how six of the dimensions are entangled and act as one. It's the Zohar and the I read Zohar. the Zohar's Wikipedia page today. <laughs> 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 Untrue. I, I skimmed parts of the Zohar's Wikipedia page today <laughs> and then clicked over to the Saphir Rotes uh, Wikipedia page and skimmed that too. Because the Saphir Rotes are the um, ten dimensions that We're talking about here I think Mm -hmm. And like they're They're like There's kind of like Gnostic related concept Of kind of Ten divine emanations That uh, Are present In the physical world And it's like If you want to get Real fucking weird with it You can probably Maybe think of them As dimensions I don't know where He's getting this thing About six of them Working and being um, Entangled and acting as one That one I don't know where It's coming from (laughs) But um, this whole thing is pretty fucking dicey. Uh, but it sets Catherine's life on a new trajectory. Um, and then we flash back to right now, and if Peter knows all this. Why
0: hasn't he already gone into noetic sciences?
1: Uh, he's too busy doing like philanthropy or something. I don't know. It's not very clear. Uh, because then there wouldn't be a sexy lady for Robert Langdon to try to hook up with throughout this book. And
0: she's an older woman, correct?
1: Correct. Okay. Just like Blythe Brown. Blythe. Blythe. Not a sexy not name. Not
0: a sexy name in this. Oh, my mom's sexy me. What does she want? Oh, yeah, I left the book in San Diego. Well,
1: Oof. Woof. I hate to see it. <laughs>
0: i have two copies of this book
1: (laughs) yeah between us now lena and i have four copies the lost symbol two physical and two digital
0: i lost the lost Um, symbol
1: (laughs) yeah so you know even if our extended quotations aren't fair use um we've paid you enough money dan brown (laughs) don't come
0: after us (laughs) i'm very poor for now dan brown
1: and so yeah, Catherine has like a little uh, flash This time, so she comes back to the present day And then she has a flashback Instead of to her sophomore year of college To just earlier today Where a voice told her That what your brother believes is hidden in DC Can be found Sometimes a legend that it is for centuries it Is newers for a reason And she says no, that can't possibly be allowed To nobody in this fucking lab <laughs>
0: Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Something fucky has happened with my copy of this book. Hold on. Uh-oh. Yes, she, it can't. Oh yes, a legend is... Okay. Yes, we're with it now. Chapter 16. Well, you know what? guy is on the scene. Oh, no? Incorrect. Oh.
1: No, it's time. It's time to learn a little something about some men you should be avoiding. Is that what
0: we're doing? Is this the... Okay, we're doing five at a time now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, well, no, because we've use some more chapters after. It's like a halfway marker, except it's just a, when I f- remembered it marker, because I saw the book on my desk, so I looked down.
0: Well, great. Let's do it. Um, is it your turn? Yeah. All right.
1: The the, the, the the structure of the podcast is getting a little wonky, frankly, gang. Um, don't worry about it. It'll all become clear. It's it's a symbol. I mean,
0: it sounds like the um, people, what the people want to hear is tangents. <laughs> and... Um,
1: I, I hope so, because that's what they're fucking getting this time around. so you're only
0: getting 10 chapters an episode. That's just the way it's gonna be. Maximum. <laughs> Max.
1: <laughs> um, okay, men to avoid. The first one, men who think a thesaurus is a dinosaur. How's that one grab you?
0: Um so I'm not gonna directly answer your question, but what I what I will say is that there was a for us, you know about sapiosexuals, I I assume?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware because I am. Boy.
0: Stop it. I hate you. <laughs> there was a fabulous post about morosexuals and just loving dumb people. Oh, I've <laughs> just seen Just straight up idiots. And uh, I love that. I like the Joey Tribbiani feel that this person has. But I was really hoping that this, um, rather than what it actually says, would say men who think of thesaurus is a personality.
1: Um <laughs> that's that would make more sense cuz like that also
0: disqualify Dan Brown.
1: It's true cuz like overuse of a thesaurus is is very bad and it's how you wind up with writing like Dan Brown does.
0: Yeah. Mortal legs, fuck out of here. Um
1: the next man to avoid uh men who keep a condom in their wallet just in case. <sighs>
0: I mean isn't it better to be safe? What's the alternative? I'm going to You'd think so. I, I'm like, "Hey, do you have a condom?" And the guy's like, "No." Like, well, then that's that's the end of the encounter, my friend. Like, either go down to the corner store or it's not going to happen. I mean, having a condom in the wallet at least shows a a sense of responsibility. Like, what what is what does Dan Brown expect?
1: My assumption is that he views it as a symbol of either a kind of immoral promiscuity or as a symbol of um, unwarranted confidence. But like,
0: I, don't...
1: I still think he's probably ultimately wrong on this so one. My
0: only concern is that condoms have expiration dates, right? That is true. Um, but I, So I've heard. To be fair, I don't really know what they're for. I assume it's for if there's a spermicide. Oh, it's to
1: keep people from getting STDs and from getting pregnant.
0: <laughs> Forrest? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was making a joke.
0: <laughs> so, is it for the spermicide that is often on condoms, or is it for the latex itself? Will it degrade over time? Um,
1: I suspect it's probably for both.
0: Right, um... Uh yeah, I, my my feeling is better safe than sorry. Also, you know there isn't always a twenty four hour CVS nearby, so it's better to have it on hand. I don't know. Damn my
1: feeling is twenty twenty. You're the monkey. <laughs> okay. Um, monkey girl spring. <laughs> uh, next one. Men who watch Oprah.
0: What's wrong? What's... <laughs> what? Is it just because it's, like, effeminate?
1: I think it's homophobic, right?
0: Well, 100% it's homophobic.
1: But, like, I don't think... It, like... like,
0: there are... I have issues with Oprah that have come to me in old age, you know, based on, like, an understanding of economics. But... <laughs> um, There's nothing inherently wrong with watching the television show, I don't think. Like doesn't mean you inherently no. agree with everything spouse on the show like
1: i also think it's weird that so like we've talked before about how this book is it's never entirely mm. clear whether dan brown's objective here in having women avoid these men mm. is because he wants them to retain some kind of virginal purity mm. and therefore be like available to fuck dan brown mm, mm-hmm. In which case, it seems like he'd want them to be hanging around his homophobic version of Men Who Watch Oprah because then, like, you know, they're not going to be fucking those guys and are free to fuck Dan Brown, but maybe those guys are like, don't fuck Dan Brown. Maybe that's the problem.
0: It just feels like it's at once, you know, when we talk about... <sighs> when we talk about state power... Generally in the law, there's a test that you apply to ensure that the measure isn't overly restrictive um, or under restrictive. What's that test? And I feel that's the test. I told you just straight up. That's the test. Um, you just want to make sure that it's neither oh. of those because otherwise it's... it's
1: I, I, I was wondering if it had a name.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, it does, but I haven't taken con law in over a year and I don't I don't care to uh, revisit it. Um,
1: I see. See you lecturing about the Constitution earlier in this very episode, but now suddenly I haven't Forrest, taken con law for over a Forrest, year. Forrest, you
0: you're just going to sit there in silence while I look it up.
1: <laughs> uh, let's not do
0: that. <laughs>
1: let's talk about this next man to avoid... No, no, no.
0: No, let me finish my point. Hold on. My point being... He doesn't want men to be overly masculine and confident so, so far as to have a condom in in the wallet. I'm talking with my hands here. Um, but he also doesn't want them to be effeminate such that they would watch Oprah. And I don't know what he wants. I don't know what Danielle wants. I don't know what Dan wants. Who shouldn't I avoid? A man
1: should wear a tweed sports jacket, <laughs> a mock turtleneck.
0: And a Mickey Mouse watch, baby. And a nice pair of chinos. chinos. <laughs>
1: um, our next man to avoid are men who collect comic books.
0: That seems fairly inoffensive. I feel like this is based on this the comic book guy in The Simpsons. That could be. But like, the, um, that kind of a man, the comic book guy kind of a man, which you would now classify as a fedora neckbeard. Or maybe you would have five, yeah. five years ago, I think now you would say an incel. Um, they're not comic book collectors. Comic book collectors today, at least, are are men of distinction who appreciate a dying like, art be fair, form. this
1: book was written in, like, 95 or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and, like, the comic books of the mid-90s are, like, I think a kind of height of... Uh, like grim, darkified, ultra-violent, sexually exploitative, like kind of a height of bad comic book violence. Is that when there
0: was an artist who would draw men with the the barrel chest that jutted out three feet forward?
1: I believe this is kind of his height.
0: What's his name? Do you remember?
1: Um, no, but I should know. But I'm thinking of the the one picture of Captain America that I think you were also thinking of.
0: That's the one. (laughs) Rob Liefeld.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, the 90s, like the Killing Joke, or Killing Joke might have been late 80s, but it's like that kind of of thing. I think it's like the height of Deadpool and Cable, maybe. Okay. Um, Okay.
0: That kind of like Michael Bay, the Michael Bay of comic books.
1: Yeah, that's, that's my understanding of the 90s comic books. I didn't really read any comic books until, like, the late ease." Likewise. Um, and now I read them periodically at best. The next man to avoid are men who would, quote-unquote, rather be anywhere... So I think this is people with a license plate. It's like, I'd rather be fishing. I just feel like it, or I'd rather be uh, uh, flying the Starship Enterprise. They may
0: be a man to avoid simply because this man is 68 years old.
1: Well, oh, the the rather be man he, or the author of this no, book? No, the rather
0: be man. Yeah. The rather be man. I think that's true. Maybe, I think, you know, approaching geriatric here.
1: Um, last one. Uh, this is the most heinous of all These are people that you absolutely want to hang out with Because they're the most fun Men who work at carnivals
0: Carnies? Forrest yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get me killed Carnies are
1: cool man
0: Have you hung out with carnies forrest?
1: Not a lot mm. But like I think I think it would be fun to Like uh, Carnies Renfair people fair people rule
0: Those are different people
1: they are. I'm talking about like the, the the three groups of people who I think I like uh, most, kind of romanticized in my day to day life. As just thing of like, man, what could it have been like? Um, our carneys, fair people, and uh, rail hoppers.
0: Rail hop- Okay, so fair people. So I got to go to one re- fair when I was 12, and it was the best day of my fucking life. I was a hot commodity. I. Wore a whole outfit with a with a corset belt, and I ate a turkey leg,
1: <laughs> and it was the classic renfair food. It was because, as as is well known, no food typifies uh, late medieval Renaissance Europe like the New World bird, the turkey.
0: <laughs> I've been chasing after that Renfair high my entire life, and it's been. How how long? Like thirteen years since it happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
0: And and upon meeting David, the man I'm going to marry, about a year in, I found out that he used to free- frequent um, Bay Area run fairs with his best friend, and they were both magicians at the time. And, um, Jesus
1: Christ! As an as, a, as an attendee or like working the Ren Fair?
0: No, uh, they were attendees, is my understanding. Okay,
1: because cause, cause, cause when I say Ren Fair people, I'm specifically talking about like the people who work at the Ren Fair. I understand
0: what you're saying. What I what okay, I wanted like sure. to go on to say is that they would go and they would just juggle at the Ren Fair together.
1: That's so great.
0: <laughs> and I've been begging um, him to be like, "Can we go to a Ren Fair, please?". And he's always like, "Those days are behind me. Like it's the war or some shit."
1: If he does not want to go to a ren fair, Lena, next time we're in the same fucking place at whenever ren fairs are happening, I would love to fucking go to a ren. Okay, Faire. let me
0: ask you something. Because there, there are ren fairs in our hometown area.
1: I'm, well, I'm aware. Yeah. We went to one in middle school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's uh, also me,
1: me, and me, and this guy who at the time I mostly fucking hated. Uh, but is now like a friend of mine <laughs> would go we, we, we went and we uh, both brought recorders and had some recorder duets prepared and oh, we so got to go good. on stage and play Green Sleeves. so
0: good all I remember I remember all I wanted was to kiss the blue knight who was about to who was about to joust but I was a child you see so Lena, didn't work the
1: out subs, the 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 um like subgenre of my romanticizing what could life as a Renfair person have been like is like fantasizing about running away to Burbank and becoming a knight at medieval times.
0: I've never been not
1: Burbank, and I've never
0: been to medieval times. And I always wanted to. I. I wanted to go for my 18th birthday, and nobody took me. So we could maybe do that also.
1: God, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh,
0: anyway. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Carnies, I guess. I mean, they seem like they might be into some, like, substance abuse, so just, like, watch yourself, I guess. But, like, otherwise, I think it's probably fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think notoriously Carnies are into substance abuse. It's, like, a defining Carnie attribute. That's right. Um, but, like, there's a lot of 90s and 80s stereotypes, I think. Uh, probably even before that. Isn't, like, did you have to watch in Kelsey's class that Something Wicked This Way Comes thing where it's, like, the darkness hides out at the carnival and shit?
0: No. I think
1: it's like an American horror that trope.
0: That would have 100% scarred me for life and I would remember it.
1: Okay. Um, anyways, did you see the now new we're on Harley to chapter Qu- 16. Sorry, did you see
0: the new Harley Quinn movie? was that? I? I did. Did you like it? I liked it. I had fun. I had a good time. Yeah. Great. I'm glad we we're on the It's so always fun
1: page. to see Mary Elizabeth Winstead doing her thing. Yeah. Uh, you know there was like a guy on Twitter who was uh, several guys on Twitter who were like, the problem with this movie is it's not sexualized enough. And like black canary's tits were out that entire fucking movie. Whole movie.
0: Also, Mary Elizabeth Winstead spit in my mouth.
1: Yeah, no, um, extreme dime is my verdict on this.
0: <laughs> Chapter, whatever. And the,
1: like sh- shooting people with a fucking crossbow. Oh, s- Excuse and me. And I liked
0: that she was Goodness gracious. awkward and visibly anxious. Um, yeah. and she, yeah. Uh, Bruce of Frey is a great movie, and it had great songs in it by Doja Cat, Megan Thee Stallion, and Normani. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to, I think in like four days, at the height of this social uh, isolation thing going mm-hmm. on, is when we get the VOD release of Cats.
0: Oh my God! <laughs> looking
1: forward to that. I have it pre-ordered on Amazon. On
0: a similar note, but I am going to pre-order it because I have friends here who haven't seen Cats, and I'm going to make them see Cats. Oh my God. But like... Um, on a similar note, it, at least to me There is a musical Coming out, it's a jukebox musical Using the music of Tom Jones <gasps> And it's about The literary character Tom Jones From the 18th century or what have you uh,
1: I get more questions Wrong about that guy on fucking Pro Bowl Than anyone <laughs> else, story, story of an Orphan, right? I,
0: yeah uh, after whom the singer Tom Jones is named, actually, back in the sixties, when the singer Tom Jones was coming up in the working men's clubs, as they were called, um, his manager called him Tom Jones because there was a movie in nineteen sixty-three uh, about huh. the you know life of, life of an life of an orphan. And Sorry,
1: I, 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 it is a foundling.
0: Uh, okay, yes. Um, and uh, it was very popular at the time, so, that, so Tom Jones's manager named him Tom Jones, and now it's come full circle. It's that story set in the swinging '60s in England, using uh, Tom Jones's music, and of course, the musical is called "What's New, Pussycat Cat." And uh, fuck,
1: that sounds good. I,
0: it's open. It's, it was supposed to open in London this week, but I don't think it did.
1: <laughs> Have I told you my Tom Jones story?
0: I would love to hear it for us.
1: So a couple years ago, um my friend Steven who you know mm-hmm. and me along with our friend our newlywed friends Cam and Tay who like did it as a as a uh honeymoon uh-huh. uh which like side story I found out recently the their like family's stories and like the only way that like uh Tay's family has heard of Steven and I was like, "Oh, you were the pair that tagged along on their honeymoon and we're like, mm, this is not how we thought of it."
0: I remember Anyways. when that happened.
1: Like the the whole combination of factors wound up that we did a road trip through southern Wales. Um,
0: and Tom Jones is Welsh.
1: Tom Jones is Welsh. Uh the final night we were in Wales, we were in Pembroke, which is like at the very southwestern tip of Wales. Mm-hmm. Um it's where Henry the Seventh was born. Good to know. And uh you know, there's, it was it was the best day of the Wales trip. Um, that afternoon we'd gone to see this place called St. Goffin's Head, which is this kick-ass fucking monastery slash little shrine. Mm-hmm. It's like hidden in a seaside cliff. It was a cloudy day. The waves were like really high. And it was fucking awesome. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we then go for dinner at this little pub in Pembroke. And when we walk in, there are two other people there. There's a woman at the bar who's... Bartender, whose name I forget, and there is the drunkest man in Wales, who is every couple minutes going up to the jukebox, putting in a few more uh, pounds, Put another dime in the the their fake money baby. Is. yeah, and queuing up like five Tom Jones songs, Hell yeah, <laughs> and like just like getting into it, and the bartender is like, Hawk Daffod, you got to play something other than fucking Tom Jones. <laughs> And finally like he just like refuses To play anything other than fucking Tom Jones <laughs> And finally like he eventually has to go home Because he's like gonna fall over and uh, Just like Die? pass yeah. out in the bar Because he's Again the drunkest man in Wales <laughs> And so he gives Tay the woman of our group And she's like oh you can pick I've got a couple more credits so You can pick this song um, And you know we, the, the, the poor bartender is like Is there anything you, you want to hear she's like, is there Anything that's not fucking Tom Jones <laughs> And so we played Footloose And she fucking oh, loved good. it Oh good you heard Just a night of Of sitting and playing darts As Tom Jones blasts In Wales Is truly a highlight Of my personal You've life You've
0: heard the, the The John Mulaney bit About Tom Jones Right?
1: 100% Okay
0: Good then we don't have to cover it Is that it for Men to Avoid?
1: Um <laughs> Yes <Okay>. Chapter 16 <laughs> Uh, security chief trent anderson is uh pretty mad at himself because someone has found the um sling and jacket that malach disposed of and he's like oh i can't believe we missed him they're doing a good job at closing off the rotunda they've got a sign that says this room temporarily closed for cleaning Mm
0: -hmm. okay this room sure
1: Um. Yeah. This 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 room that earlier we established is uh, the Statue of Liberty could fit in standing up. (laughs) Uh, And he's like this one fucking witness just like won't shut the fuck up about saying he's talked to 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 me. You missed the
0: point, the part where they've collected all cell phones and cameras so that no one sends a picture of this to CNN of all places.
1: The Clinton News Network. (laughs) Um,
0: A tall, dark-haired man in a tweed sport coat uh, Yeah, he's making a nuisance Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, and so before he deals with Langdon Anderson is inspecting the hand here It looked as if it had belonged to a man of about 60 Can you tell that? just by looking at a disembodied hand i posit that you cannot
0: i can't tell how old anybody is Forrest.
1: i can't tell how old anybody is but like especially by their fucking yeah. hand
0: <laughs> although sometimes like, you... and,
1: and like and also like peter solomon incredibly wealthy presumably like uh has some fucking skincare shit going on mm-hmm. I bet his hand looks like a fucking, like, 30-year-old man's hand. I bet his hands look better than my hands look. And my hands are not fucking bad. Look,
0: I've seen Larry Ellison's hands. And those hands, (laughs) they're spotless. They are young hands. Money can buy you excellent hands. Except for in L.A. for whatever reason. Because I often run into a woman and I'm like, Ah, this woman is 40 with Botox. And then I see her hands. And I'm like, Ah, this woman is 60 with Botox. (laughs) (laughs) Got to use sunscreen on your hands.
1: you know, leads into Trent's next line mm. a goddamn freak show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the phone is the CIA. And Anderson's like, The CIA? It's uh, Office
0: of Security, more, yeah. no, sorry, the Office of Security, actually. Yeah. No, sorry. the
1: Office of Security, which was created by the CIA for one strange purpose. CIA agents hate this one trick (laughs) To spy on the CIA itself Like a powerful internal affairs office The OS monitored all CIA employees For illicit behavior Misappropriation of funds Selling of secrets Stealing classified technologies And use of illegal torture tactics To name a few Presumably if they catch you Not doing any of those things (laughs) Then you get an official (laughs) reprimand Got him! Got him.
0: Got his ass. Um, uh, okay, someone very ominous is on the line, and that's Sato or Sato. Sato?
1: Yeah. I, th- I think Sato. Sato. Who uh, Dan Brown takes remarkable lengths to uh, never refer to with a gender pronoun. Um, yeah It's not because It's not because Sato's is non-binary It's for a shocking Reveal later on Do you
0: remember I don't You know what Never mind I take it back Just forget it It's not important
1: So yeah uh, There is a man In your building To whom I need To speak immediately The OS director's voice Was unmistakable Like gravel Grating on a chalkboard me, Pardon There is a man In your building To whom I need To speak immediately Uh, Throat cancer surgery had left Sato with a profoundly unnerving intonation and a repulsive neck scar to match. I want you to find him for me immediately.
0: Did you miss the part where Sato was born inside the fences of Manzanar?
1: (laughs) Fuck, I did miss that.
0: (laughs) The overlord of the Office of Security, Director Inoue. Uh, Sato was a legend in the intelligence community Born inside the fences of a Japanese internment camp In Manzanar, California In the aftermath of Pearl Harbor Sato was a toughened survivor Who had never forgotten the horrors of war Or the perils of insufficient military intelligence You know how after you deal with internment You're like, you know what's wrong? is There isn't enough security and military in the United States
1: I'm touching my face again, <laughs> kind of covering with my hands. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so my, much like Digital Fortress, Dan Brown continues to have uh, bizarre psychological uh, as as uh, uh, ascribe bizarre psychological motivations to Japanese, Japanese, Japanese people, people in relation to World War II trauma. Yeah. Um, also, Inoue yeah. and Sato, as far as I can tell, are both surnames. Um, I don't think either one's, like, an actual first name. Wait.
0: Uh, Sato wants to talk to Bobby Langs.
1: As we all do. As we
0: all do. Um, and so they put him on the phone? Yes.
1: Yeah, they put him on the phone, and Lang's like, I've never heard of the, the OS of the CIA. And they're like, well, they've heard of you. Oh. And so then a little comedy of errors is about to happen here. Fun. Where Fun Sato's, um Where Sato's is basically like you know i'm handling a crisis at the moment i believe you got some information that can help me and langdon's like do you know where peter solomon is uh, and sato's just like i'm asking the questions here um oh
0: there's a whole thing about how uh langdon is more like urbane than they assumed that he would be that you missed here despite langdon's six foot frame and athletic build ugh. Uh Anderson saw none of the cold, hardened edge He expected from a man famous For surviving an explosion at the Vatican In a manhunt in Paris This guy eluded the French police in loafers? Fuck loafers, am <laughs> the, I right, Forrest? The, the,
1: the famously efficient and cruel French police force The <laughs> gendarme
0: This guy looked more like someone Anderson Would expect to find hearthside In some Ivy League library reading Dostoevsky
1: Anyway. Fuck off. <laughs> I did miss that. Um, so, um, uh,
0: Forrest, you don't have to put this in the show, but I knew a guy in college. I won't tell you what his name is. I mean, I will. His name was but you should take that out because he was half Jordanian, but only when he could use it to be like, I'm not a terrible conservative. Look, I'm Jer- Jordanian. He was like a young Republican, all that <laughs> shit. Christ. So I was in an Arabic class with Mr. N***, and uh He, the first day of class, they were like, what do you do for fun? And like, what kind of shows do you watch on television? And like, at the time I was like, hell yeah, it's 2012 and I watched Breaking Bad, you know, like that's what's going on in my life. And uh, it got around to him and he was like, in Arabic, he says, how do you say, and then in English, sitting curled up by the fire with a good book and a tobacco pipe. And I was like sir (laughs) this is my first interaction with this person it got much worse after that turned out he was part of the rapiest frat on campus anyway
1: you can include how do you say i don't even own a tv
0: (laughs) i mean he was in a dorm so like no shame he didn't own a tv but he didn't have a fireplace (laughs) either (laughs) so you know don't put his name in it but fuck that guy i fucking hate
1: him Not have libraries with fireplaces in them, like the Ivy. League. This, w- this was
0: used, this was like that a-
1: Ivy League? Please hire me to work in a library with a fireplace. <laughs> Harvard, Harvard, I'm in your city. Please hire me.
0: uh UC Berkeley's philosophy library has a fireplace.
1: Ooh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and so yeah. At the very end of this conversation, Langdon's like, "I'm sorry, sir, but I can't read your mind. What do you want from me?" Mm. And then, uh oh, she's right behind him. (gasps) What do I want from you? And the mode is the the director's (laughs) grating voice crackled through Langdon's phone, scraping and hollow like that of a dying man with strep throat. (laughs) And uh, behind him is is Sato in person. And uh oh, she's a lady. Yeah I'm
0: here Yeah I was I'm just trying to I was trying to find out Where you were And I was also trying to Shake the 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 image of uh, Edna Mode from my head So
1: (laughs) That's kind of what I picture
0: Sick Okay
1: That crossed with um, Harvey Firestein As Tracy's mom In Hairspray What? What? In the In the Broadway cast recording Of the musical Hairspray Uh A Harvey Firestein plays Tracy Hermblad's mom, the role that is essayed by John Travolta uh, in right. the motion picture. Okay, yes. And you know, Harvey Firestein's voice is uh, raspy, kind of not not how I picture Sato's voice. <laughs> Chapter seventeen. Yeah, director.
0: In, how did you pronounce that? You know, you. I think in a Inoue? Inoue Sato was a fearsome specimen, a bristly tempest of a woman. Who stood a mere 4 feet 10 inches
1: She was bone thin You're
0: really mean to people with vitiligo in here
1: Yeah Well you can't be an antagonist In a Dan Brown book <sighs> without some kind of condition I
0: forgot Well she's not a, an antagonist and... per se She's a, like a cold and And competent third party Like that other guy
1: How far ahead have you read
0: i haven't right now well. she's not an antagonist Forrest.
1: <laughs> uh sorry no spoilers um just this 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 constant pro- professional who is in no way uh in no way at all akin to bezu in way? what
0: in no way in no way
1: correct <laughs> god i see I, I understand what you're doing i don't approve of it <laughs> one second i'm going to pour myself a glass of wine one moment what kind
0: of wine is it wait i want to know
1: i don't know i need, I need to get the bottle out and see all that. right let's
0: see i'm gonna pour another glass of wine too let's party Jesus. <laughs> i saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Life is demanding without a-
1: okay. In the process, I hit my head on my dresser.
0: <laughs> I heard that.
1: Yeah, I figured. <laughs> what we have here is um, a glass of South Australian Viognier. I'm
0: not really a big fan of Australian wine. Generally, I don't like New World wines. But I will make a, an exception for Pinot Grigio.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I generally go for um, Sauvignon Blancs, although if, if, if one's available, I will always, always go for a Vino Verde,
0: Ooh. which are like a,
1: it's like a lightly effervescent Portuguese white wine, and yeah. they're terrific. Vino Verde, um,
0: hell yeah. All right.
1: There's one, there's one called Broadbent that has a crab on the bottle. Wait, that's not true. Broadbent has a flower on the bottle. There's one that used to be available here that had a crab on the bottle Mm. and fucking rocked.
0: I'll tell you right now. Best thing about the Netherlands is that France is right there. And you can get like very good French wine for like five euros tops.
1: When I was in Switzerland last summer, like Switzerland produces a ton of wine and they export like none of it. Mm. And so it's like the weird Swiss wines just available in Switzerland. Like, they have a white called, like, Fondant or something.
0: Mm.
1: And, like, it's terrific. And it's, like, cheap as hell in Switzerland, but you just, like, can't get it outside of Switzerland.
0: Have you ever had ice wine? They can't... They're not making ice wine this year. I
1: have. Oh, is it too hot?
0: Yeah. None of the, the grapes never froze. Bummer. hate to see it.
1: Global warming gang. Um... <laughs> Inoue Sato has an off the chart IQ and chillingly accurate instincts.
0: So, uh, in Digital Fortress, you we were in a situation where um, the woman had instincts. You know, the, the saucy older nymphomaniac woman.
2: <laughs> I forgot it.
0: <about> <laughs> and uh, the Jabba the Hutt had the. Because we had like three. We, we had like. A, Three different plots going right. We had like Job of the Hut and Talacious Crumb and you know the IT side. Then we had uh, Miss Nympho and her and her paramour. And then we had the main plot. And when they gather together, yeah, I,
1: I kind of, I kind of, wait, no, Miss Nympho wasn't a Nympho. Like the 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 she had tapes of the guy fucking the kitchen lady but
0: her, her, her defining characteristic was that she would not stop flirting with golden hair man
1: but she didn't actually fuck him
0: I thought that she had
1: she was just
0: like she was in like, the past. I think she was just
1: like performatively horny
0: <laughs> performatively horny <laughs> do I have permission to call her miss nympho or no what well, would you like me to call her? I mean, yeah, I,
1: I, I understand who you're talking about. I, in my head, I always pictured her as kind of like a, a Roz from Fraser figure.
0: Are you trying to tell me that Roz from Fraser is not a nymphomaniac?
1: I'm not. Um,
0: Thank you. So, Ms. Nympho I have, I just had the to I just wanted to think about say, Roz from Fraser. You what?
1: I just want to think about Roz from Frasier. Remember when she dressed
0: as O from the story of O for Halloween?
1: I do not think I've seen that episode yet, but I'm intrigued. <laughs>
0: such a good episode. (laughs) Um,
1: Perry Gilpin, call me.
0: (laughs) There's a shirt that I saw on T on... uh, What's the one? It's not Redbubble. It's T something. T public. And it just is uh, Kelsey Grammer going, I am wounded. But then it has like, (laughs) you know, the the vaporwave uh, aesthetic around it. Anyway, um, my point being, Miss Nympho had the instincts and Jabba the Hutt had... Uh, the intellect, but here we see them combined into one tiny Japanese woman. Exactly. So it makes her formidable.
1: And she's taken a full month off of work in the past for some kind of horrible cancer. Mm-hmm. Cause she's tough. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and this whole chapter is kind of annoying. Um, Cause she and Langdon are kind of working at cross purposes where she clearly has some kind of agenda, but Langdon's really trying to get Peter Solomon um, found. Mm-hmm. And so we'd come back to the hand of mystery. The hand is tattooed. Um, it has a uh, thumb has a crown index finger has a star. Mm-hmm. And he knows the other fingertips are going to have some remaining symbols, a sun, a lantern and a key. And uh, she's like, what's this doing in the capital? What's going on here? And, again, the actual hand of mysteries, on the palm, there's a fish tattooed. And the fish tattoo represents, or it's not tattooed, it's just like a fish in the palm. It's not normally a tattoo, the hand of mysteries. And the fish represents uh, mercury, the alchemical uh, kind of the big it's a big deal in alchemy right so the other the other the other five symbols are like various alchemical salts so like one's saltpeter and one's like some other shit but like the fish the mercury is it brings it all together and makes it all work in an alchemical way but we just leave that out here because um dan brown hasn't found the right websites that i found
0: so d- does the fish represent mercury generally in any context
1: I'm not sure about any context, but in the context of the Hand of Mysteries, it does. Because, I mean, often a fish represents Jesus. Right. But, like, there is no fish on this hand. But the Hand of Mysteries is supposed to have a fish on the palm.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. I misunderstood what you were saying. That's on me. And the wine.
1: I, I probably also wasn't explaining terrifically well. Um, and so, yeah. It's, Sato's trying to figure out whatever's going on. and Langdon's trying to get her to focus her resources on finding Peter Solomon mm-hmm. and they're at kind of an impasse when we come to chapter 18 and we're back with Catherine Solomon and she's arrived in her lab which I thought she'd done like the last like two chapters before when we last checked on her um, I thought she'd gone to her lab like twice but no no. now she's finally in the fucking lab in the lab. first
0: chapter she just ventured into the darkness and then In the second chapter She went through the darkness Opened the door And opened the door Because at the end of
1: the first chapter She enters her fucking Oh the pin is Into pod five That makes sense Yeah
0: yeah
1: I mean it doesn't make sense But like I get it
0: And now She's putting on her white lab coat And doing her rounds As her brother called them
1: (laughs) Yeah So she goes and checks The hydrogen fuel cell and goes check the data storage room where there's no there there are backups but all the backups are still inside the cube lest somebody should find out about her research it's top secret
0: so it's not great infosec
1: no we had a we had a we had a lecture 2 weeks ago about uh, information security and Uh, A lot of it boiled down to back up your data. But somewhere else. In a place that's not the physical same place as your uh, main data. I'm
0: sure this will come up later.
1: No, I mean, to be fair, like, he does mention here that the best practice is to physically separate it, but because of the secret nature of this data, they've kept it all in the same cube.
0: Let me ask you something. How rich are the Solomons?
1: My understanding is, like, impossibly rich.
0: So could they not purchase a continent for example or launch a satellite (laughs) into space or do any number of things to keep her her backups safe
1: you would think so you would think they could just bury it underground on the private island they surely own but they didn't do that
0: they didn't do that they put it inside the fucking box
1: exactly um and you know how this whole time it's been driven into our heads, time and time and time again, that the only two people who know about this box are Catherine and Peter Solomon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> well, so inside there is a there is a light on. She's like, "Oh, this can only be my brother, Peter Solomon." The only thing that makes sense, but no, it's just her employee who also works there. Plump <laughs> We've woman. never heard about it at this point the third person who knows about this who actually fucking works there.
0: A plump woman seated at the control room's terminal. Named Trish Dunn. She's a 26-year-old redhead and a genius data modeler. I'm in love with Trish. Reader?
1: Hubba hubba. <laughs> um,
0: well, in the past, we haven't liked plump women, so we'll see how this goes.
1: Trish is mostly likable, I think, aside from um,
0: inventing, not
1: having any morals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to um, say... Um... Oh, no, I forgot the name of the evil corporation. Help... The one that's named after Lord of the Rings.
1: Oh yeah, that's Pal- Palantir. Yeah.
0: She invented Palantir. Anyway. <laughs> um
1: so yeah, uh Trish uh doesn't know what Catherine wants, but she's been in the office or the lab uh analyzing some kind of data because she's a data analyst and meta systems analyst. Mm. Um bu- 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 bum. And basically, Catherine wants Trish to run a really high-concept Google search.
0: With Boolean Um, She's heard a legend. What? With Boolean terms?
1: With Boolean terms and also with some custom OCR (laughs) programs. So um, the idea here is... You know, she's she's given Trish a list of search terms to look up, and then says, "I want to know if anyone's written about this in any language, at any point, anywhere in history." Um, and Trish is like, "Weird, but like certainly feasible," which. I beg to differ, but so it says. Ten years ago, the task would have been impossible. Today, with the internet, the World Wide Web, and the ongoing digitization of the great libraries and museums in the world, Catherine's goal could be achieved by using a relatively simple search engine equipped with an army of translation modules and some well-chosen keywords. And there just simply isn't easy access to much of that digitized information. Like Google had a whole thing going on where they're like working with a bunch of libraries to, to, to digitize their collections. Mm-hmm. And like they did that And so like But a lot of times You know You Google search On Google Books And you just get like A mostly censored page It's like This is copyrighted Motherfucker You can't see it Yeah There's Um, a whole Very famous
0: Property law lawsuit About that exact situation Mm
1: Mm-hmm Um, and like there may have been this point around 2009 where like things were kind of in the seesaw between just everything is online and available Mm -hmm. and everything's not. But like also right now, um, so she's talking about a lot of museums are digitizing their stuff and I'm taking a class this semester where we're doing digital stewardship and we're looking at a lot of museums kind of websites and things like this. Mm -hmm. And frankly, the searchability is nil and the interoperability with like search engines anything outside of like that one museum system for the most part is dog shit mm-hmm. so I have some questions about how Trisha's little spider here is working but whatever um, there's a
0: lot of searching online in Dan Brown books there's so much of it <laughs> it happens all the time it happened in Digital Fortress right Um probably yeah, there was... Well, it was the whole thing where they were in the anarchist cookbook and whatnot. Do you remember this?
1: <laughs> I do remember
0: this. <laughs> and then, I don't know what book it was, but it was like... They were at... Oh, I think it was... Um,
1: you got a 50-50 chance.
0: <laughs> da Vinci Code. <laughs> where they go to the library uh, in Paris. Yeah, it was Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Because
1: they're in London. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And then That's true. they're all, like, everyone's drinking tea and whatnot, and they're trying to do a spider crawl search.
1: Yeah, and they're looking for, uh, like, knight and pope and something that brings up Alexander Pope, and they're like,
0: oh, a knight, a pope, and uh, Oh yes, 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 yes. So um, uh, my point being that Dan Brown has, like, a huge boner for Google searches. I don't know why. I don't know how this happened. I think it's because yeah. how, it's how but, he does all his research, obviously, but...
1: So in this one, he's added in many of the lab's research books contain passages in ancient languages. So Trish was often asked to write specialized optical character recognition translation modules to generate English text from obscure languages. She had to be the only Systems specialist on Earth who had built OCR translation modules in Old Frisian, Make, and Acadian. And... <laughs> There is simply no way <laughs> there is simply no fucking way this is why that Trish, in like an off afternoon, has produced an o c r program that is going to take a Acadian tablet machine read the characters on it, and then produce an English language translation. There is no fucking way that you can convince me this happened, like we have. A pretty strong understanding of Acadian grammar and vocabulary, but like by no means a fully certain one. And the idea that Trish, who is not a linguist and not consulting with any linguists in this process, <laughs> as far as we know, can simply just whip up uh, and like she's twenty six, she claims to have built OCR translation modules for three languages here. She can't have been working here for longer than can't have been any longer than three years because that's how long this program's been in place for mm-hmm. and if she is doing other jobs as well as producing these three ocr translation modules um there's no fucking way she's done that in three years i'm sorry i don't believe it it didn't happen
0: well have you considered that she's just the best
1: um you, you can be the best <laughs> in, like but you still can't do something that is actually impossible also as i am trying to remember what i looked this up last time we recorded this episode that make language i think is one yeah okay the i think i was referring to this yamayak language also known as Yemayak and make is a koreanic language of manchuria and eastern korea oh. north of silla spoken in the last few centuries bc it is possibly ancestral to both kogi koguryoic and han languages and i don't believe that this is a written or literary language hmm. um it might have been but like the wikipedia page is like a paragraph long i just don't think that this is like a written language that anyone has any kind of command over that you can make an ocr program for to translate the writings that don't exist in it into english Old Frisian, maybe. <laughs> I can maybe buy that because Frisian is a language that is actually already grammatically very close to English. It is, I believe, English is closest relative.
0: Well, I simply don't know enough about this to be able to to chime in or refute here, but... Color
1: me skeptical on Trish Dunn. <laughs> Anyways, she's, she's composed this spider with these search terms and Trish is like...
0: A delegator, actually, forest forest. Was that she, ri- she writes a delegator? She does <laughs> Not a spider. Come on uh,
1: now. <laughs> no, but a is like a kind of spider, isn't it?
0: Uh, yeah, well let's see. she even
1: says a few minutes to write the spider and launch it. After that maybe fifteen for the spider to exhaust itself. And then she says I'll write a special kind of spider called a delegator. Mm,
0: okay, fair,
1: fair, fair. Which like doesn't sound entirely unlike malware it's a program that orders other people's search engines to do our work it's like a meta search engine so like she's instead of like building her own index of search terms or something she's just like looking up on other search engines indexes and then doing something i guess i don't understand it i don't know how computers work
0: (laughs) the point is now we're in a flashback which is the most important thing
1: (laughs) it's true we've been building up to this for a long time
0: we're talking about how Trish and Catherine met, which is potentially the most beautiful love love story ever told. So I think that's correct. Trish is chilling, you know, back in the day. She's, She's working an
1: analyst at, in one of the high tech industry's many cubicle that's farms. That's right,
0: and then she did some freelance programming on the side, talking about meta systems. You know, which, if you've remembered, mm-hmm. she's writing a meta system now as a delegator, as a spider. So it's all coming together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a woman calls her and uh, is asking for Trish And she says, Yes, who's calling, please? And she says, My name is Catherine Solomon. And um, she almost faints because the sexual energy is just that palpable off the bat. Um, <laughs>
1: Catherine Solomon, I just read your book, Noetic Science Modern Gateway to Ancient Wisdom, and I wrote about it on my blog.
0: Yes, I know. That's why I'm calling.
1: Of course it is, Trish realized, <laughs> feeling dumb. Even brilliant scientists Google themselves.
0: Your blog intrigues me. I wasn't aware meta systems modeling had come so far. So this goes on for some time. <laughs>
1: I was about to continue the dramatic reading. I was going <laughs> to cut it off. Um,
0: um So she's Trish's fangirling because uh, the woman of her dreams has just slid into her DMs, so to speak. Yeah. And, and um, like she
1: makes a little faux pas where she's like, I think medicines can turn noetics into real science. And Catherine's like, kind of plays with her as like real science as opposed to, and then Trish's like, oh my fucking God, did I ruin this? Uh, what, what, what what I mean? And then Catherine's like, You're just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. She
0: laughed, what I, only what I, what I could only imagine as a musical and but deep laugh, um, a very sapphic laugh. This podcast
1: is getting dangerously horny, again.
0: <laughs> um, sorry, hold on, I've lost my sticky note. One, just a moment.
1: Aren't you in a Kindle?
0: No, no, the sticky note is for the camera, so you can't look at me. For oh, <laughs> so Catherine says, I'm interested in. Your meta systems work. (laughs) Um, So Catherine essentially hires her to come work for her in her cube in the middle of DC. Although she lives in San Francisco at the time. Oh, isn't it something like. Oh, no, no. We haven't gotten to Trisha's house yet, right? That's right. Yeah.
1: Catherine Solomon wants to pick my brain. It felt like Maria Sharpova had called for tennis tips. I just like that line.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The next day, a white Volvo, <laughs> classic lesbian car, pulled into Trish's driveway, and an attractive, willowy woman in blue jeans got out. Trish immediately felt two feet tall. Great, she groaned. Smart, rich, and thin, and I'm supposed to believe God is good, but Catherine's unassuming air set Trish's, Trish instantly at ease. That was a whole, that was a whole weird thing going on there. God is bad because Catherine is thin.
1: (laughs) I put it to you that Catherine Solomon would drive a Subaru.
0: No, and I'll tell you why. As we'll learn later, Catherine is bisexual.
1: Uh, Is is Subaru exclusively just gay?
0: That's right.
1: Okay, this makes sense.
0: (sighs) Moving forward...
1: (laughs) I've misread the coded sexual limitations of cars. (laughs) I am talking about the movie here.
0: (laughs) So we learned that uh, Trisha wrote wrote some code that allowed her to uh, figure out the emotional state of the nation post (laughs) 9-11. Yep. Basically through the kind of word clouds that you used to post to your Facebook wall in like 2011. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Catherine is fascinating!
1: <laughs> God. And, like, the NSA bought her software, didn't they?
0: That's right. They sure did.
1: Yeah, so a meta-system is, is this kind of thing, right? Where you're looking at a population of individuals and or systems and then treating them as though they are a single system or entity composed of this larger collection of smaller systems or entities
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: like a mm-hmm. flock of birds or school of fish okay. moving as one we call it convergence or entanglement which the ancients knew about but they didn't <laughs> but they died of but, but god I fucking hate these people
0: what page are we on for us
1: uh 74 <laughs> didn't we start this <laughs> look <for> page 32 <32? laughs> <laughs> we could have finished the book at this point. if We were just reading it.
0: <laughs> Catherine's gray eyes focus in on her now. They're just—they're just like they're—they're they're sitting on the porch in her house in San Francisco, approximately two and a half feet from each other, leaning ever closer as they discuss noetic sciences, um, and discussing her. Like, entirely morally bankrupt software that she's produced. (laughs) And Catherine's... I mean, it's, like, the best-case scenario for Trish because, like, like she gets to go work for Catherine and do, like, scientific research rather than, like, getting hired by the military to, like, learn when Afghanistan is hopeless enough to invade, you know? Well, I mean, I
1: think the government already bought the software. I think it already bought her mood-sensing software because... (sighs) When Catherine's like, that sounds powerful, Trish is like, the government thought so, motioning to her big house. Um, And then Catherine's like, Gross. what about the ethical dilemma posed by your work? And Trish is like, you know, uh, that's none
0: of my business.
1: Uh, my software is no different than, say, a flight simulator program. Some users will practice flying first aid missions into underdeveloped countries. Some users will practice flying passengers into skyscrapers. (laughs) Knowledge is a tool, and like all tools, its impact is in the hand of the user.
0: You know, this used to be an argument that I used to entertain. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, on its
1: face, not a bad argument. Right. But... But, At the point where you're selling your tool to, like, the NSA, who is uh, not going to be using it to uh, fly first right. aid missions into underdeveloped countries unless those first aid missions are actually full of, like, right-wing paramilitary fighters.
0: Well, right. My concern is that not, it's not that, like, it is a tool that exists, but that, like, she sold it to the NSA. Yeah. Right? Like, there was agency present in that action. It's like... When Facebook is like, we are simply a platform. And it's like, okay, granted. But like, you choose <laughs> which content you consider hate speech. And now there's an element of agency. And now you can't just say you're a platform. So, like, I, I, I you can produce a tool, but you have agency over the use of the tool, no? That's what she
1: said. I was going to say, so we're not sold, but Catherine Solomon is. She's impressed. Yes. Yes. And she's like, okay, so check it out. Meta systems eventually, like you could say like calculate the weight of an entire sandy beach by measuring the weight of one grain of sand at a time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's because it has mass. Mm -hmm. What if I told Mm -hmm. you that thought has a mass? And like if you gathered enough thoughts together they could have a measurable mass that could influence the world would that sound like woo-woo shit to you or would that be something you want to work for me and work on
0: what if I told you <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Trish is like yes ma'am I I, I would love to work on uh, thought sand science <laughs>
0: and do you say yes, please, anywhere. I would follow you to the ends of the year.
1: <laughs> um, okay. She
0: closes the deal by winking at her, so you know what's going on.
1: Yeah. I posit to you that we get through chapter 20, because <laughs> we've been recording for two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wait, isn't no, it like
1: two I, o'clock over there?
0: It is 1.30 a.m.
1: Oh my god, do you need to sleep?
0: No, not really. Okay, let's get through
1: chapter 20. <laughs> Okay. Um,
0: In a way, Sato stood with her arms folded, her eyes locked skeptically on Langdon as she processed what he had just told her. What had what had, what had he told her, Forrest? Oh God.
1: Okay. So. <laughs> so they go back and forth about the phone call Langdon had with Malach, where he's like, "I want you to unlock this portal," and Sato's like. Uh, He wants you to unlock a portal That Peter's pointing the way towards Um, And Sato says her top priority At the moment is to cooperate with this man She has information suggesting Langdon Is the only one who can give what he wants And Now that
0: you've spoiled it, Forrest Like This sucks
1: (laughs) This, I hate this chapter Um, I'm Regretting that I said we should talk about it, but we got to get through it. Um, okay, so, okay, okay. um, Langdon's like, this guy's clearly a lunatic, there's no like fucking portal. Uh, and so I was like, I don't know, I think he's dangerously sane. He's pulled out this entire fucking plot. Would a would a would a, would a an per, in, insane person be able to pull off this kind of <laughs> intricate plan? And Langdon's mm. like, I don't know. Um, why would Peter's, and, and he's like, you know, Peter Solomon told him that. I'm the only who can lock this portal and Sato's like why would Solomon say if it weren't true and then Levin's like like, well maybe he was like tortured or frightened and Sato's like yes it's called interrogational torture and it's quite effective because she is a CIA agent
0: (laughs) this is like when people like would Trump become president if he was stupid and I'm like (laughs) I mean so (laughs) yes
1: yeah it brings you back to um back in back in 2012 when I tried to convince myself that Zero Dark 30 actually said that torture didn't work because um, if you can torture it enough you can you can tell yourself it doesn't but you're just like no I just want Jessica Chastain to have good things in her life um, <laughs> and Catherine Digelow director of Point Break um, it all <laughs> comes back to Point Break
0: I haven't seen Zero Dark 30 I've heard it's very stressful I, to watch
1: it's stressful to watch and like it is just um, with the very lightest veneer that isn't really even there, just straight up CIA propaganda. So,
0: <laughs> does that one have Hawkeye in it?
1: Uh, it's got several Hawkeyes in it.
0: No, no.
1: <laughs> I think Chris Pratt's a Navy Seal and I like met, a different Hawkeye, like I another CIA Jeremy agent, Jeremy
0: Renner. Hawkeye Hawkeye oh,
1: Hawkeye no that's that's the Hurt Locker also Catherine Bigelow also propaganda for US actions in the Middle East um, <laughs> but different movie <laughs> that has Hawkeye and the Falcon in it
0: oh I like him
1: he's really good
0: and I think a, I think yeah go ahead
1: I think both of them are really good in that movie that movie is like it doesn't hold up as a piece of art but their performances are both quite good
0: I'm sorry, is the Falcon different than War Machine? Yes, right? Yeah,
1: they are. Uh, the Falcon is Anthony Mackie. He's like Captain America's sidekick. Yeah, and War yeah. War Machine is Tony Stark's sidekick, and he is Don Cheadle, except in the first Don movie Cheadle. where he is somebody... Uh, Terrence Howard? Can that be right? He I like could got, be right. I think I'm right. Let me make sure here on IMDb he was in the first Iron Man, but then he got cut out of the rest of them, and they replaced. Yes, I am right. Um, yeah, so he played him in the first Iron Man, and then he got replaced by Don Cheadle, who played him in the subsequent Iron Mans and Avengers. But the same character. Not the Falcon and War Machine, but the Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard character.
0: So, the reason why I was confused is that I was talking to David, and David was telling me about the new season of Altered Carbon, and he was like, War Machine is in it. And I was like, Don Cheadle is in it? <laughs> that man is not young. <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, War Machine is in it. He's like, buff? And like, he's like, a killing machine. And I'm like, I think you mean Anthony Mackie, the Falcon. And he was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Warhammer. So that's how we got in the situation.
1: Okay, is Anthony Mackie in the new...
0: Yes, Anthony okay. Mackie is in the new Altered Carbon. That guy is hot. I, so, it's true he is hot. I've never watched Altered Carbon, but the, the practice is that David will watch slightly stressful television shows and then tell me about them. I've so, tried.
1: I've tried getting to Altered Carbon a couple of times. I've never quite like made the leap past like episode one.
0: Mm, fair. It seems hard to watch
1: i just like i got confused and bored mostly that's why i like the witcher a show (laughs) where like when you're confused and bored you're like oh everyone's still like
2: i love the witcher
1: (laughs) i i I showed it to steven when he was in boston and it's like you see even though you never know what's happening because like you're dumb and drunk um it's still (laughs) fine like everyone's high and like they're doing magic and hitting things with swords it's fine you're just like i I don't know (laughs) It's David cool, dude. And I
0: put together a, a timeline on a whiteboard when you were watching. It.
1: <laughs> I love, I I truly love that like a show that fucking dumb that like
0: <laughs> is it like a fun time thing is
1: designed for and by meatheads is just like okay Nonlinear linear timeline. <laughs> <laughs> incredible choice
0: i love that show okay i can't wait for it to come back it's giving me everything that game of thrones should have given me
1: i think that's true you know yeah
0: um and so sato
1: like, (laughs) they keep going back and forth in this thing where like langdon's trying to downplay this thing and sato's like but would this guy really be like this like up on it if it were just like lies um Mm -hmm. like what are these ancient mysteries he's talking about and he's like, listen, just because a lot of you believe in a thing Doesn't mean it's true Like, you know, I've heard of the Hand of Mysteries That doesn't make it any truer than the fact that you've heard Of Shangri-La Right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, Racist, but, but what if it did?
1: Um, and
0: Sorry, where are you? I don't know
1: I, I, I'm somewhere in like the 78 to 80 region I'm talking about the I Ching <laughs> on page 79 <laughs> Where Landon's like, oh, you know, like, like these books say people can get godlike powers if they've got secret knowledge. Like it's the a Echin. god-awful
0: chapter, yeah.
1: Um, it's, 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 it's for Dan Brown, a very long chapter, which is like to say it's like six pages long. <laughs> <laughs> um... The point is,
0: they're unpacking, like, is there a portal or not? Should you go find it or not?
1: Yeah, and Langdon's like, the portal's a metaphor. And she's like, but what if it's not a metaphor? It sounds like he thinks it's an actual portal. portal. And Langdon's like, he's made the same error many zealots make, confusing metaphor with literal reality. Similarly, early alchemists had toiled in vain to transform lead into gold, never realizing that lead to gold was nothing but a metaphor for tapping into true human potential that of taking a dull, ignorant mind and transforming it into a bright, enlightened one, which...
0: It's stupid and boring. Lena. Yes, I'm with you.
1: Is he positing that early alchemists were not the best positioned to know whether or not the principle of the thing they were practicing was or was not a metaphor? They were the ones who fucking invented it. If they were chasing a metaphor, they would have fucking known it. They're the ones who right. did it. Like, maybe the later alchemists were like reading the early alchemists and being like, well, we're transmuting lead into gold, like literally. But, like, if that were the case, and if it were a metaphor, the early alchemists would have been like, this is a metaphor. So, we're not going to literally, like, mercury poison ourselves to do this. I agree I with
0: you. And just on, like, a kind of branching off, yeah, you're right. Like, to point to early alchemists here really really you know makes you think like what what are the late alchemists up to are they not toiling in vain i mean because
1: like it, it, like if the gold in lead into gold is a metaphor then the late alchemists are toiling in vain obviously because they're taking the earlier words literally mm-hmm. and it's like in that case the metaphor holds well, he- up well, but it's saying the early sorry, alchemists but... thought they were chasing a fact instead of a metaphor where the metaphor does not hold up because the early alchemists would have been the ones in a position to recognize that but, the yeah. text is not literal. The later ones coming back and reading the old text and taking it literally would have been the zealots doing it wrong.
0: But the way that that, that Dan Brown writes it here makes it sound like... The late alchemists were somehow smarter and less in vain than the early ones, which just plainly doesn't make any sense. You would only get further and further away from the source material as time goes on. I
1: hate Dan Brown so fucking much. So much.
0: He's a
1: fucking clown of a man. <laughs> um,
0: Moving
2: on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so Dan Brown, mate, Robert Landed ultimately comes out like, so in addition to being like an idiot, this man's also highly educated. Actually, he doesn't say anything. He says mentally unstable. Uh, which I recognize as yes. the same thing. Uh,
0: he says that he has done everything in perfect accordance with the ancient protocols.
1: And again, the hand of mysteries is not an ancient protocol. It can't be any older than a couple of years. This is like when Antonin Scalia was like an ancient interpretation of the First Amendment law, even though the first first, <laughs> first amendment case in the Supreme Court was like tried 19 fucking 19. <laughs> Antonin Scalia, rest in peace.
0: <laughs> oh, there was a really good meme on the law school memes page today. That was like, it was like the um, the Drake meme, but it was like a happy and and sad Anton Scalia <laughs> face, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like sad, like the grocery store is out of toilet paper. Happy, I just realized I have a casebook full of Scalia dissents. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was gonna say I will admit he, he occasionally has a thing that's fun to read, but like man, what an evil motherfucker! <laughs> uh, the man the, is awful.
0: The oh a lab
1: the a lab podcast series has a pretty good Antonin Scalia logo.
0: I have yet to listen to that podcast, but I do follow them on on the socials.
1: I mean, I I I I got into it back when uh, back when it was Mike Dicta the, the podcast with every Twitter lawyer together that eventually just like imploded into some still arcane internal drama. And now there's a series of successor I legal podcast podcasts.
0: podcast drama. Oh, Forrest, we should have some drama.
1: <laughs> we don't have enough. I think you gotta have at least three podcasters for there to be like some real drama going
0: on. Hey, listener, if you have a success, if you have a suggestion <laughs> for what kind of drama you'd like to see on this podcast, let us know. We'll look into
1: it I think yeah I think for true podcast drama There's got to be at least three mics But in Mike Dicta there was like 25 mics overall (laughs) (laughs) So it just became like True chaos And now we've got 5-4 and A-Lab And um, Hostile Witness And I think at least one more legal podcast Oh Puck Bunnies kind of rose from the corpse of Mike Dicta That one's a hockey (laughs) podcast Um, (laughs) Stupid uh, <laughs> anyways, at that moment when Langdon and Sato aren't getting anywhere, um, Trish Dunn the, is.
0: Sorry, just real quick, he alludes to like, "Hey, the Rotunda's full of ancient symbols, lost symbols, if you will." Anyway,
1: yeah. um, so Trish Dunn runs her search engine, uh, or her 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 delegator spider, not expecting any results. But she'd come That's to it. expect that working with the Solomons meant never quite knowing the entire story, even when you're Googling a bunch of weird phrases.
0: It's six paragraphs, I think. Uh, and it's just, she ran the search. All right. Chapter 20. Let's, let's get out of here.
1: Okay. Chapter 20. It's another long Langdon Sato conversation. And this one, I think I actually have some fact checks in. It might be the next right. chapter that I have some fact checks in. Anyways.
0: It is 8 p.m. So jot that down. I've got that um, written down
1: in my timeline.
0: And he's looking at the smiling face of his Mickey Mouse watch. It was, is not eight PM. It is seven fifty-eight
1: PM. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't I send you something recently that talked about a Mickey Mouse watch?
1: Yes, I think you did on. Tw- I fairly on Twitter or text.
0: Oh fuck! I forget what <laughs> it was. Was it? I think. Oh, oh no! I think it was maybe the, the the um, murder mystery series I've been reading. Involves a Mickey Mouse watch. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's like a very severe American lesbian and she has a Mickey Mouse watch. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) love her. She's amazing.
1: (laughs) She does sound like a better person than Robert Langdon. Um, Okay, so Linda's going to talk about Peter and Sato's like, are you suggesting this rotunda is somehow sacred to the ancient mysteries? Because he was like, the protocol was that the hand of mysteries had to be presented in a sacred place like the Rotunda, which is actually a sacred place. Mm -hmm. And Langdon says, the forefathers who had founded this capital city first named her Rome. I couldn't find anything that suggested that was true. They had named her the Tiber. I couldn't find anything that said that the Potomac was ever called the Tiber, although there was a tributary called the Small Tiber or something, and erected a classical capital of pantheons and temples, all adorned with images of history's great gods and goddesses. Apollo Minerva Venus Helios Vulcan Jupiter which I would note uh that's just Roman gods that's not just history it's great gods and goddesses in her I center I also
0: hesitate to call Vulcan a great you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true Vulcan famously in the Iliad I know sorry that's not Vulcan that's Hephaestus but same person
0: same person um
1: We don't need to go into it, but in the Iliad, he's made a fool of.
0: It's true. He's also kind of a cuck.
1: That's what I was referring to.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) He's not kind of. He just, like, is. is He is a cuck. 100% cucked by Ares. Listen.
0: If you're going to date a bad bitch, you got to be prepared for her to be a bad bitch.
1: If you're going to to be given a bad bitch in marriage by the father of the gods. Uh, without her agency playing into it at all, then he uh, you better you prepare must be prepared to be cooked. He does make a really <laughs> badass shield for Achilles. Uh, it must be said.
0: The man is good for, good at his job. I'm just saying, like there are many people who are good at their jobs who aren't like major people, you know. So it's true,
1: Hephaestus. Um... Vulcan. Yeah, well, in this book, but in the Iliad, Hephaestus. Mm-hmm. Anyways. At the center of, as in many of the great classical cities, the founders had erected an enduring tribute to the ancients, the Egyptian obelisk, which I don't think the founders of DC erected the Washington Monument, did they? That can't have been. Don't ask
0: me. This is your job.
1: I didn't. I meant to look it up. But like, <laughs> Washington Monument had to have been built like in the mid 19th century, if not later, right?
0: Yeah. It seems, that seems right. I don't think it was. I mean, when did they even build DC?
1: the Capitol was
0: not in DC for for the first while, you know?
1: Yeah, construction began in eighteen
0: forty eight. Oh, get the fuck out of here.
1: And like this is gonna this is gonna come back a few times in the section where just like he's compressing time a lot to make it sound like the founders planned out this whole Washington DC shit and like they frankly didn't. Um now centuries later Despite America's separation Of church and state LOL The state-sponsored rotunda <laughs> Glistened with ancient Religious symbolism There were over a dozen Different gods in the rotunda More than the original Pantheon in Rome Of course the Roman pantheon Had been converted to Christianity in 609 But this pantheon Was never converted Vestiges of its true history Remained in plain view so
0: Those are vest Vest words in this uh, Vestiges Yeah Vesta. And also the rotunda Vesta.
1: The rotunda itself Is a late 19th century Addition to the capitol building cool um, so he says Rotunda was designed as a tribute to one of Rome's most venerated mystical shrines the temple of Vesta as far as I can tell untrue or at the very least unsupported by any factual evidence and mm. Sato who I guess knows exactly one thing about ancient history is like as in the Vestal Virgins <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> this is just a, this is one of my favorite Dan Brownisms. is like he's talking to a layman and he's like such and such thing, and they're like, "Oh, like one fact about history." And he's like, "Yeah, you got it, man." <laughs> so good. <laughs> this happens a lot with like his college students who yeah. are like, "You mean like Aries on the condom ra- on the condom package?" <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>
1: like, what? <laughs> so yeah, he's like, "The Temple of Vesta had a big hole in the floor, and the Rotunda was supposed to have a big hole in the floor." Where a sacred mm-hmm. fire of enlightenment could be tended to By a sisterhood of virgins whose job it was To ensure the flame never went out And Sato's like uh, There's no hole in the center of the rotunda floor
0: That is a monk girl summer If I've ever heard
1: of one, <laughs> first of all <laughs> um, And One of the first like sort of just True things in the thing here is that At some point The center of the rotunda room did have A hole in the center that opened on to What is called the crypt Beneath which was supposed to be the tomb of George Washington, even though he was never actually buried there. He was supposed to be for a little while, but his will said he wanted to be buried at Mount Vernon. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is unclear to me when the hole in the floor of the Capitol Rotunda was covered. I couldn't actually find anything that told me when exactly that happened. I didn't look super hard, but I didn't find anything. What is not true is that... um, he says there was an eternal flame that burned in the crypt directly beneath us. It was supposed to be visible through the hole in the floor, making this room a modern temple of Vesta. This building even had its own Vestal Virgin, a federal employee called the Keeper of the Crypt, who successfully kept the flame burning for 50 years until politics, religion, and smoke damage snuffed out the idea. That is a myth. Um, it's mm-hmm. a like sort of vaguely supported by history myth, like it's like it has a, this is weird long history where at some point in a round of budget cuts a person got cut out of the capital like police force whose job was um it wasn't called keeper of the crypt it was like i don't know custodian or something of the crypt mm-hmm. and their prescribed job duty was essentially to make sure that only one oil lamp per day was used up in the lighting of the place. Mm-hmm. And James Garfield, U S president gave a speech where he kind of distorted this job and claimed that it was some kind of eternal flame situation, which it never was. It was just like oh. a lighting thing. Okay. And like this, this, this thing got like blown up over time into the myth of like this, you know, one of those things you can use as a talking point in Congress as, like, a useless federal job where it's like, oh, we're <laughs> throwing all this money to the key for the crypt to keep this fucking torch lit all day and, like, no one sees it and it's, like, useless and whatever the fuck. It's just that. It's one of those things. Um,
0: I'm I'm always fascinated by stories of George Washington, the reluctant god, you know. It's true. Of... Uh, of like, hey, do you want to be the king? And he's like, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, do you want to um, be deified forever? And he's like, no, like, I'd like to retire if that's okay with you guys. And then they're like, do you want to be buried? Um, in like the right here, like in the capital. And he's like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> the
1: American I'm really good, you guys. Uh, Excuse me? George Washington, he's the American Cincinnatus. Cincinnati? That's what the the city of Cincinnati is named for.
0: Is it? What does Cincinnatus mean? So,
1: Cincinnatus is this Roman guy who was given the same kind of, like, dictatorial power that, like, Julius Caesar was given. Mm -hmm. And he's the kind of model for it back in the Roman Republican period where, you know, he could have proclaimed himself king of Rome and done that but he was an honorable roman citizen he just wanted to retire back to his farm and let rome uh, remain a republic i love it and so george washington is called the american Cincinnati as, as part of his myth building thing of like ah you know he had the chance to be the king of america but he just wanted to go back to his farm and own slaves
0: <laughs> well uh, yes correct um but Over I, Thanksgiving, I was in today. philadelphia
1: and like right by the declaration of independence museum is like the, or, no, the liberty Bell museum is like uh the original <laughs> presidential home where george washington lived and there is uh-huh. that place has a lot of weird fucking placards about george washington slaves where it's like knows it should be focusing on them and like their plight but like it's not fully willing to talk about like
2: Oh, no. Quite
1: Like it's It goes pretty far Into saying like You know they kept on Running away and shit But it's also like Wants to be clear George Washington Was not particularly Cruel to his slaves And in many ways Was very affectionate Towards them It's
0: like oh, yeah. oh, He's still on them It was It was
1: rough I didn't I didn't enjoy it Also I didn't enjoy Going through like 15 fucking metal detectors And getting padded down To see the fucking Liberty Bell What am I gonna do To your fucking bell <laughs> Break it I'm <laughs> gonna break Liberty <laughs>
0: It's already broken.
1: <laughs> god damn it! Um, yes. Uh, okay. Um, of George so Washington he's is, is uh, segues neatly as I'm. I think you're already reading ahead into um, Langdon being like, you know, this whole place is a shrine to like the god of George Washington. In fact, um, the, the the mural on the ceiling is called the apotheosis of George Washington. Um it shows George Washington being transformed into a god. It's right above your head. And we're going to talk about that painting more in the next episode of the Dan Brown Code.
0: We made it in we the made meantime. It this far.
1: Lena, do you have an angel for this section? Do we do demons or angels first?
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um an angel for this. I mean, I guess Catherine cuz I was gonna say Trish.
1: I was gonna say Trish, Trish is a problematic figure.
0: She's a problem, and I'm sure Catherine will be soon. Uh, but I just I really appreciate like a like a strong sapphic character, you know. And uh, and and last episode we mentioned her Mediterranean skin. Uh, she still has that going for her. She has Her gray eyes still happening. Um, she did get dunked on by her brother for a chapter, um, but she was a sophomore, <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah.
1: I think for my Catherine. angel, I am going to have to um, pick a problematic fave and say Trish, even mm-hmm. though she did sell Palantir to the NSA. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a weak defense. I don't think it's actually morally defensible. But all I can say is um she was like twenty one or twenty two when she did so and was therefore an idiot and um I'm I'm sorry, Trish, you shouldn't have done that, but I think you're I think your heart's in the right place. You're just dumb.
0: Yeah, yeah. Alright, you want to do demons?
1: I would love to do demons.
0: Who's your demon for?
1: My demon here is I mean it's fucked up to just say Robert Langdon. My demon is the CIA Office of Security. <laughs> no, my demon is the CIA. But there is one? My demon is a, my demon is the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States government. Uh, if you want a reason why, um, you know, I don't know where to start with you. <laughs> just, just the state <laughs> of the world.
0: Um, I'm going to have to say Sato, and I'll tell you why. And it's you know it's similar, but like I don't know how you come up in the in, in a concentration camp and then say like you know what we need <laughs> is more military might and security, more unbridled security power. That's what we need. Not Korematsu didn't teach us anything. It's, it's shocking and 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 very confusing. And I, really, my demon as always is Dan Brown because <laughs> I, because Dan Brown wrote this character You're and Dan demon. Dan. Daniel Danny boy What do you think is going on with Japanese people? God he's such a psychopath (laughs)
1: Um, Do you have a grade on this section for Dan Brownness?
0: I didn't feel too Dan Browny this time There wasn't much in the way of Treasure Hunt We did get some like strong hands lifting Mr. Robert Langdon Um, We got some like What if I told you That everything you've ever seen Is an ancient symbol um, I'm still not sure that symbologist is a job, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, uh, I'll give it a C plus, I guess. I think
1: I'm going to give it more of a B plus on Dan Brownness. Um, okay. I might be conflating this with sections coming up cause like I gave myself a padding with you chapters to make sure I wasn't going to run out of fact checking content. But in mm. doing the fact-checking research, I felt like there was a lot of strong Dan Brown half ass Googling going on.
0: Mm. And mm. that to uh, me is... I agree with you. On the fact side of things, there is a lot of that of like... But he got atonement right. You can't, you can't deny he that. He did get that right.
1: And I mean, like, you know, it's probably the, the archetypal Dan Brown is probably some mixture of the bullshit exposition along with the action writing. But mm-hmm. like for me personally, what like I really love about Dan Brown is the bullshit exposition writing. Um, and
0: see, I'm in it for the action, so I I yeah. can see why we would differ it in this in this respect. And
1: then just yeah. enjoyability. Oh, uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, <not at> all. <laughs> um, I think probably a D, frankly.
0: Yeah, it's too much exposition for it. Nothing she, happens. Spent three three chapters just chilling in the dark. Um, nothing. It,
1: we're on page eighty four of this book, and nothing has happened.
0: Nothing has happened. All we know is like Sato has been introduced.
1: Langdon has found a hand. Is the like Langdon goes to DC and finds a hand are the only things that have happened in this book at page eighty four.
0: Well, They've run a spider. That's the that's the other thing, I guess. But yeah, yeah that's but, like, true. Not no, you're right. There's happens. nothing going on. Also, I want to see more from Malach. Frankly, he seems yes. to be a man with a plan. He has things to do. He has like eight hours to figure it the fuck out. It is already eight p.m. He
1: pulled off a little Scooby Doo disguise, and that's fucking it.
0: It is eight p.m. How much more night does he have? Four hours to obscure the light. Is it four hours? Well, I mean, it depends on depends on, depends on your definition of night, right? Yeah
1: anyways i mean i'm sure um, it'll
0: it'll end with like catherine bigelow and no not catherine bigelow sorry catherine solomon (laughs) (laughs) catherine solomon and robert langdon checking into a hotel at daybreak to fuck for three days
1: (laughs) anyways everybody please follow our podcast on twitter where we regularly post
0: um, <laughs> um but just do it anyway um i'm also on twitter at Lena jamili l-i-n-a-j-e-m-i-l-i
1: i'm also on twitter at wishbone ulysses all one word
0: um and I, you may find oh sorry go ahead
1: i was gonna say in a perfect world I'd be back on mastodon at wishbone ulysses at mastodon.social but who knows
0: Who's to say? Um, you may find that we post more often now because the whole world is on lockdown, and what else are we going to do?
1: God willing, you I've know? been making a lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons maps. <laughs> I've been learning how to use the <laughs> freeware <laughs> versions of all the Adobe ed- photo editing software. I've gotten pretty good at GIMP now. I finally learned how to use the fucking vector editing program Gimp is uh, hard. In, car- in-, in Inkscape.
2: Uh huh. I've
1: got I've got some pretty impressive shit going on. My brother wants to play a Dungeons and Dragons one shot as a bachelor party. And so I'm going kind of all out for it.
0: Hey, Forrest, if you end up, like, having a regular Dungeons & Dragons meeting, let me know. I'm into that.
1: I will. I mean, right now I have a with going with friends. my brother and his neighbors. Um,
0: okay. I mean, like, if you want to, like, gather perhaps at Chris's Poopin' and your other friends from the West Coast, and you want to do, like, a remote situation.
1: That might Red be Dragon the cards. I know Chris Dragons. likes D&D, um
0: uh, did you watch the episode, the season of Riverdale that was about d and
1: D? I I'm most of the way through it.
0: Oh, hell um, yeah. <laughs>
1: Griffins and about. Gargoyles.
0: Hell yeah, man. It's what so a good, good. TV show. I love show. Riverdale. <laughs> it's so good. I'm, I'm so behind on Riverdale. I'm have so you watched... i to catch up. I
1: th- we, did we talk? We, I don't think we did. Because I don't think I watched it until I was in Boston. Have you watched any of the CW's Nancy Drew?
0: Mm-mm, I have not. <laughs>
1: It is is very Riverdale It's like the acting is less good Um, But like It's kind of fun to watch And like lest you Think that this is like uh, Your mother's Nancy Drew This series opens up with Nancy Drew Just like straight up fucking In a mechanics garage to remind you (gasps) This is the CW baby This Nancy (gasps) Drew fucks
0: Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> but, oh, sorry. So, yeah, follow us on the socials. We're on Facebook as well. Tell your friends. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. Um, and uh, stay safe out there. Make sure you're washing your hands. You can sing the chorus of Hit Me Baby One More Time. That's 20 seconds. It'll give you a good timer.
1: You know those uh, memes that have, like, the lyrics for a song underneath the hand washing steps?
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: saw one today that was just like an ellipsis under every single one, and the last one was tequila. (laughs) Really good.
0: (laughs) I did a a series of Instagram stories last night uh, of various songs you can sing for 20 seconds, so I'll make that a highlight. If you follow me on Instagram, at lena.gem, you can see that too
1: did like oh you can memorize like six lines of uh, classic heroic pentameter like the opening to the iliad <laughs> you can do that no, it's like look out of here some here, here Boris Johnson shit is on the scene. uh
0: Africa by Toto is 23 seconds um,
1: well, um of